0: true patriot podcast episode 15 and we're rolling in i want to introduce our first serious guest to the show (laughs) clark enfistado um and he's a former navy seal got into some government contracting after that law enforcement and um really why i like the dude he's just a good patriot and a good guy and um we're happy to have him on so welcome clark
1: yeah dude thanks for having me man i uh i appreciate it i don't know if i'm a serious guest but (laughs) (laughs) listeners might be disappointed he was kind of goofy a little poly shore vibe going but i appreciate your time it's (laughs) authentic
0: we're used to uh what what's that echo now oh
1: there's a little feedback i can hear
2: i know what's the deal sorry that? that was coming through my phone
1: that was Jake. Oh, that was Jake. That's, yeah, that's all right, dude. That's what I love about podcasts. They're just raw, dude. Leave it all in, man. That's what makes it oh, fun.
0: <laughs> now we're um, we're working things out. Well, we well you hopped on and we could see you, and then we were just like had uh, five minutes of something bizarre going on there. Where oh just <laughs> popped off the show now again. Yeah, I think can you still, you hear, can still hear me, Clark? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I can. I, I can, can hear, hear both him. of you. Give me one of your earbuds.
0: All right, all right let, let me give him one of my. Headphones here. There we How go. about now, Jake? <laughs> All right, now I'm good. We're good. We're running nice. with this. <laughs> We're not going back. <laughs> Perfect. It makes it even but, better, uh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jake has one headphone. I've got the other. As long nice. as i can hear you. Um nice. so you also host your own
1: podcast. So I do. Can... Yeah. It it's been fun, man. And and like you guys, there's a lot of growing pains and figuring stuff out. And but luckily. I uh, I was doing it by myself for a while, but then I realized having a co-host is fun just for the back and forth banter. But the, yeah. the techie guy that was helping me, I'm like, I'll just bring him on board because then it's smooth sailing. <laughs> like I got a dude yeah. that knows Why computers not? and shit. So, yeah, it's, right. it's been fun having that because I don't have to figure anything out.
2: <laughs> 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 so. Yeah, That's we've great. had some growing pains for sure. Yeah, yeah, we
0: like I like waste a, an hour of Jake's time every other weekend trying to mess with all this. Stuff. But uh, luckily we're good buddies and we we do the show in person, so that kind of yeah. eliminated a lot of that. Yep. Um, yeah,
1: that's nice. But,
2: and it gives us an excuse to get together every once in a while, every right, week. Yeah, that's we just right. we're just hanging out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: so man, like I said, I think we just want to kind of combed through your life I think it's a really interesting story I mean I've known you a couple years now and from what I've seen online and listened to your show uh, I thought you'd be the perfect guest for the show so yeah. we really appreciate you coming on and uh kind of want to dig in man let's let's <laughs> let's hear something <laughs> where yeah. um
1: so where did you where did you grow up Colorado I'm a Colorado boy. Yeah. uh, Grew up in a real small mountain town of about 300 people. It's probably about a half hour outside of Colorado Springs. Oh, yeah. So it was kind of an isolated childhood in that there wasn't a lot of neighborhood kids and whatnot. And uh, my oldest brother was seven years older. So he was busy doing cool teenager shit when I was still (laughs) a little bugger eater.
3: Yeah. (laughs) So I
1: spent a lot of time outside, dude building tree forts, climbing trees, throwing rocks at neighbors windows. I was the little mischief. I was the dentist, the Menace of the neighborhood for sure, man. Oh my gosh. 300 <laughs> people in the
2: town that is small. That is small. It that is, is small. man. Yep. So they probably all knew that you were the one. Oh yeah, cuz again there's no other kids
1: or who else is doing this shit, you know, unless it's like a raccoon or a bear or, you know, but I'm I'm the only other creature out there breaking shit, so it's pretty obvious. Yeah. So so how close by was the the next,
0: like, town
1: and school? Uh, you know, my school is probably five miles away. You Pass yeah. Elementary at that time. So uh, there was little clusters. We live up Highway 24, which is actually the foothills, the base of Pikes Peak. So on one side of the valley, you had where we lived, Cascade, and then you had another little village called, like, Chapita Park. And so we're kind of scattered as you go up the highway, these little clusters of yeah, you know, I call them villages because it kind of has that vibe <laughs> to it. But uh yeah, it was fun. I mean, everybody knew everybody growing up, and as far as neighbors, everybody was just kind of good, wholesome people. And That's and uh, you know, eventually there were some kids that I became friends with from school, but you had to put out to get to their house. I had to hop on my little <laughs> BMX and go uphills and downhills, <laughs> and I had to like ride a couple miles to the next mesa or the next, you know. wherever they lived and so i didn't realize when i visit my mom now and i walk around the neighborhood i'm out of breath i'm like how did i do this shit as a kid (laughs) i was all over the place like i must have been in great shape as a little dude because
2: yeah you don't even realize it but kids have uh, endless energy energy.
1: just from the bus stop the bus stop would drop us off at the bottom of the hill and rain sun snow i had to walk i would say probably a good mile and a half up a hill to my house from the bus stop. And same going down Because the bus was saying, hell no. That's as far as we're going, dude. It would pull (laughs) off the highway 24 and dump us right there by the library. And we were all on our own. And so I did realize, you know, through other places, there were a few kids in the neighborhood, but still it was only a handful of kids, even in the kind of prime of my elementary school years. And so, (laughs) and sometimes you'd have to brave it if it got dark, like you were, walking through the valley the woods at night and it was <laughs> you know, a little a, creepy dude there's some wildlife out in colorado too mountain mm-hmm. lions bears <laughs> <Yeah>. neighborhood <laughs> dogs there was this one german shepherd i remember there's a yield sign that kind of switched back to go up my road and i'd always have to like keep an eye on that dude i forgot <laughs> the dog's name but it was a big german shepherd and and you would see bears and things like that it was just part of how you grew up and so i just i got lucky. i never got snatched up so (laughs) that's great (laughs) that's good it was fun though what was uh the did you play sports when you got older or i did the whole thing yeah my brother was an athlete and so as a little booger eater i'd go to see all Mm -hmm. his games he played baseball basketball Mm -hmm. football that stuff and so when i got to about that age i started in soccer My mom worked at Colorado Mm -hmm. College and they had a pretty good soccer team, hockey team and all that. And so as a little kid started with soccer, uh, played a lot of pond hockey for fun. Yeah, my mom would yeah. drive me up to Chapita Park, and they had a frozen lake that we'd all get out there and flop around on. No skates or anything, <laughs> just kind of flopping around on your shoes. And I had a stick. And oh, uh, eventually yeah. in uh, middle school age, I actually joined a team, and then hockey became my obsession. I didn't play anything else. I played peewee football right. as well, yeah. but once I, I got to middle school, you know, I gave like it that all makes up. sense. Like hockey and, can, yeah. and it, seems, it seems like a Colorado, Colorado thing. Like yeah. Well, it was, football. and back then it know. wasn't It wasn't popular in America yet, really. Right, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I don't know, <laughs> think it's still that popular compared to places like Canada or whatever, but Colorado, <laughs> right. it was it popular. Is. It yeah. was. Yeah. Just because of the weather, you know? It's mm-hmm. the cold place. So you have it. all those... Yeah, the cold yeah. sports. Yeah. Right? Sure. So you're not going to be on the water polo team in Colorado, you know? It's too cold <laughs> right. for that shit.
2: <laughs> yeah, but you're not playing... <laughs> pond hockey in arizona <laughs> you <know>? yeah exactly
1: it's <laughs> exactly. a whole challenge right there yeah so i just got obsessed with that loved hockey and then the older i got like the high school years i started you know getting into lifting weights to support mm-hmm. my athletic endeavors and so i became a little gym rat and that was kind of the the, the boom of Arnold Schwarzenegger and the bodybuilding <laughs> yeah. thing, and so I bought a okay. shit ton of Joe Weider protein powder and farted yeah. all the time and <laughs> <drinking> like raw <laughs> eggs and a little did I know they were all on steroids, <laughs> yeah. So, was this was we're talking like that. <laughs> so, we're talking 80s then, like yeah. this is I was a little kid a, in the 80s, born in 73. Yeah. And uh, really, my youth was pretty much the 80s. I was like 7 to 17 throughout the 80s. So that was mm-hmm. kind of the bulk of my childhood. So that sure. was fun. That's
0: pretty, that's pretty sweet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, It was good, of- dude. Yeah. Some toys. We had Transformers yeah. and He-Man toys. <laughs> and then I had an Atari. I had the Atari call. Oh, yeah. And then there the actual go. Atari. And so right. video games were a little primitive. But, <laughs> but
0: they were like... new thing though yeah oh it was mind-blowing yeah (laughs) for there, we were
1: like holy shit pac-man was all shitty graphics and stuff but we were stoked yeah we didn't know better yeah yeah so then like (laughs) what
0: arcades and stuff probably didn't that probably wasn't really in your time then like
1: stand-up arcades when i was little
0: really Mm -hmm. big arcades yeah stand-up
1: arcades were good so yeah there wasn't a lot of home options at that point so manitou (laughs) springs my brother would go down there because he went to manitou high school so he would oh, visit yeah. his friends, and he would drop me off at the arcade, and I just had a pocket full of quarters, dude, <laughs> <laughs> playing asteroids and all that kind of shit. So,
0: right. Yeah. So, so what was your first
1: car? In the well, <laughs> yeah my my first car was a '69 Chevelle, oh, which sweet. was nice, <laughs> but the engine sucked <laughs> in it. The engine sucked, yeah. sucked in it. Yeah, and I happened to be driving around one day with my mom and we saw this 69 Camaro sitting on the side of the road with the sign in it for sale for 1800 bucks. Yeah. So we pulled over, we wrote down the phone number. As soon as I got home, I called the dude and set up a test drive. And so I met him where the car was and uh, it was a project he and his dad had been working on and mechanically oh, yeah. it was brand new, but the body was primer gray. And I remember he drove for the test drive. And I remember asking him, hey, is this thing fast? And he just kind of looks at me and he goes, he goes, hold on, dude. He hit the gas pedal and I got sucked into the seat. I'm like, I'll take it. I'll take it. That was my complaint about my Chevelle. It was a cool 69 Chevelle. It was cool looking. But the engine had like some grandma's sewing machine engine. And it just was like, wow, that's, that sucks. So I wanted a fucking rocket ship. And so. That 69 one. Camaro was my true high school sweetheart. I named oh. it Cammy and that Cammy oh, and I tore up Colorado <laughs> Springs, dude. So yeah. I count that as my real first car because I ditched the Chevelle pretty quick. <laughs> That's awesome. The Camaro
2: man. was it, man. That, that did you get a lot was... of speeding tickets?
1: Uh, you know, I did, but not a <laughs> lot considering right. what I did with that car.
2: Yeah, uh, got I away did have
1: some, <laughs> I did have some interactions with the cops, but you know, back then, we used to meet up on Nevada Avenue in downtown Colorado Springs. We called it the Ave, and that's back when people were still drag racing. You just cruise around till yeah. you caught a red light <laughs> with some dude, and, uh, <laughs> and and I, yeah, dude, and I crushed people except for one time. <laughs> This 40 year old dude had this like <laughs> super tricked out, like super B with a dual quads on. I mean, you could tell he dropped cash into this. And I'm like, I'm a little grubby high school kid, dude. <laughs> like this dude, when his car pulled up to mine, I thought my car had shut off. Like I couldn't even hear my car. And I had a 350 <laughs> in it. It was beefy, dude. But yeah, this fucking whatever it was pulled up. And I was like, no. Holy shit, I saw this middle aged dude sitting in it. I'm like, well, this ain't fair, man. He's got like a job and shit, man. Yeah, he been Fuck.
0: dumping his bankroll into <laughs> it. Yeah,
1: he probably <laughs> fucking lives in that car. Dude. He probably came to afford a house. That thing was nice and he just ate my lunch. So I was a little heartbroken on that, but uh <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's, it great. that's It was fun.
0: It was better than my first vehicle. I had a big old white silverado <laughs> it was not winning any races
3: <laughs>
0: i remember the four-wheel drive went out like a month after i got it too so i was like packing cement freaking <laughs> bags of cement into the back of it to yeah. keep the wheels from spinning <laughs> yeah. and, oh,
2: it was so annoying
0: <laughs>
2: oh shit that's funny <laughs> oh
0: so so you you kind of graduate high school and th- then what does young clark pursue
1: well, in high school, the Gulf War had kicked off and uh, I always had like uh, uh, a curiosity about the military because my mom was a huge World War II buff. Yeah. And so her and I would watch all these movies and TV shows and whatever. And so I always thought war was kind of cool because, you know, they sensationalize it and all these movies. And of course, I'm a product oh, yeah. of the Rambo and Commando Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. movies, Terminator. And- oh, yeah. And so I kind of had my eye on that, just thinking, yeah, that shit seems kind of cool. And the Gulf War kicked off in 91, so I would have been, I think, a senior. Anyway, I was glued to the yeah. TV, and I was like, I got to do this. This shit's fucking awesome. And what so was the Gulf War about? I don't uh, know. It's when Iraq invaded Kuwait. Okay. And so yeah. we sent troops over there to kick them out of Kuwait. And then okay. when they withdrew, we just stopped and we went home. And it was kind of like, no, <laughs> keep going, <laughs> fuck them up, you know. <laughs> That's what I was thinking at the time, not knowing shit from shit. It was like a yeah. four-day ground war. And I'm like, no, come up. But the buildup to it was months. It was so exciting mm-hmm. and yeah, energizing. And <clears throat> so like I knew that. I said, I want to do this shit. It was well, it's the first time really in my lifetime that we actually did something because before that it was the Vietnam War. But I was just I was born in 73, and I think officially it ended in like 75. I don't even remember it, Mm -hmm. obviously. And there was a couple little Panama Grenada. But again, those are like real quick little brush fires. And again, I was so young. I didn't know. So this Gulf War was like the first time. It's like, oh, man, we're actually doing some shit. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, So I was pretty pumped about it. And I thought, I want to join the Marines, you know, because that's what you see on TV. They're the toughest. So yeah. I thought Marines is going to be the way to go. And, uh, you know, I was kind of, there was a, a part of me that wanted to be a cop. And I remember I stopped by a local precinct in Colorado Springs and I asked to talk to somebody and they were super cool. I went into some dude's office, probably a Sergeant. And he said, well, you're too young, dude. My advice <laughs> is join the military for four years, get some experience and come back. Cause you got to be 21 to be a cop anyway.
3: Yeah.
1: So to kill the next few years, go get some experience. So all my friends after graduation uh, were going to college. And so I thought, well, do I join the military to go to college? Do I get a job? The typical three options most young people (laughs) have after high school. That's kind of, yeah. 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 (laughs) So one of my good buddies had got accepted to this college that I had applied to, and I got accepted to it. And I thought, well, I don't know if I'm ready for the military yet. Or I just, I'll go check out this college thing. And so I did. I went to college and i had a little too much fun i got a gal pregnant freshman year <laughs> so Dang.
2: nice yeah party's
1: <laughs> over dude at definitely <laughs> yeah. you know i had a little kid on the way and i'm like what what am i gonna do um yeah
0: that's time to put on your big boy pants <laughs> yeah well
1: i had to grow up quick and looking back on it, it really saved me from a lot of stupid shit because i really didn't get sucked too deep into the partying or any that. Mm-hmm. i really had responsibilities forced yeah. me to get two jobs to you know, help kind of pay for this pregnancy and the baby and all that stuff. And so I met one of my classmates had just graduated Marine Corps OCS. And uh, at that time, I was looking at maybe uh, the Marines as a reserve unit, artillery unit out of Denver. And I already talked to the recruiter, started signing papers. But my buddy's like, no, fuck that dude, Jordy, in college. Might as well be an officer. Why not? dude? You can graduate college, be a second lieutenant instead of some grubby reservist. And so I thought, all right. So I went back to the recruiter. And said, hey, I'm, I'm kind of changing my mind. Let's hit the pause button on this. I'm going to go talk to an officer selection officer. And so they accepted my package. And you had a choice. You could so
0: do. Kind of ROTC type. No, is it's that, OCS. That thing back? Oh, it's different. So
1: certain college campuses will have ROTC. But this was yeah. just if you're in college, you you are eligible to go to OCS out in Quantico, Virginia. Oh, so you do that God. in your summertime. So you can go. Uh, one summer for 10 weeks, or you can do two summers, six weeks each. So I decided Gosh. to do that. It's called the split program. So I decided to do that. Yeah. So I went to, the, they call it the juniors course out in Quantico between my sophomore and junior year. And yeah. I hated it. <laughs> it fucking <laughs> sucked, dude. As soon as I, because they give you like a packing list, this is all the shit you got to bring, da, 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 da and the first night we get there someone stole that shit out of the wall locker that i had put it in so now i have to go to the cadre the instructor staff and try to explain that my shit's missing and they're all yelling at me and it was like holy (laughs) fuck i'm already behind the eight ball dude and this is really the first time i've kind of been in a scenario like this yeah and as we all know marines ain't gentle or nice about shit (laughs) dude and here i am all they're doing is correcting me, not speaking in the third person. Like they could give a fuck. My shit was stolen. Like I'm not speaking (laughs) their language correctly. And I was like, "Ah, guys fucking sucks. So (laughs) I got that squared away and I went through the six weeks and I just hated it because at OCS, they focus on weird shit. They're grooming you to be an officer. So it's a lot of classroom shit, kind of elitist shit, shiny boot shit. It's not like you're not beating each other up on the, hand-to-hand course, or you're not shooting rifles, or it's real weird. Really, um, yeah. So I just got a bad taste in my mouth. I finished the six weeks, and even the senior drill instructor, they bring you into their office, and they kind of debrief you on how they think you did in the last month and a half. And he said, I mean, this is a compliment. You would be a better enlisted Marine. You have trouble delegating tasks. You, you're you a hands-on person. You can't tell mm-hmm. someone to do something. You have to do it with them or for them or hands-on so my advice is Mm -hmm. i would enlist in the marines and go be infantry or whatever it is you want to do be one of the boys (laughs) yeah
3: well exactly and as an officer
1: it's weird you can't really choose your mos you can't choose your job they have a system called thirds so they don't want all the talent in one area so what they do is they cut the the class into thirds according to how you graduate and then each group is cut in half and that's how you pick so they'll let like the best guys pick and then the worst guys and then the second best guys pick. So you literally go in a room and whatever jobs are available, there's like a tag underneath of it. So there might only be five tags for infantry. So you could get stuck as like a supply lieutenant, but you want to be a grunt. You want to be an infantry platoon commander. But now you're making sure your guys are putting fucking shoelaces and boots before they issue them. You know what I mean? It's just like, dude, I can get stuck doing a really stupid, be an admin lieutenant. Mm -hmm. So I went back to college, my buddy's like, "Oh, what did you think about OCS?" I'm like, "It fucking sucked. And there's no guarantee <laughs> I'll get to do what I want to do, man. This is <laughs> fuck that shit. I think I'm just going to enlist." So yeah. another buddy of mine had just left the Marine Corps, and he was a Force Recon Marine, and he goes, "Hey, bro, best piece of advice I got military-wise, don't just join the military for the sake of joining it because they will find you some stupid ass shit to do. Find a purpose. <laughs> like, I want to do this job." And I said, well, I want to be some type of ground pounder, some type of infantry, dude. So he said, read books, man. You got to get some books. That was pre-internet. So I couldn't hop on Google. And, you know, there's (laughs) so much information out there now. But back then, I just had to go to the library, buy books. So I stumbled upon one of Dick Marcinko's books called Red Cell about SEAL Team 6. And I was like, these are the motherfuckers, (laughs) man. These pirates. They don't give a shit about shiny boots, man. These are my people. So I got all <laughs> hyped up, dude. I'm like, I'm going to be you a SEAL. It. Yeah, and The problem is I had a contract with the Marines for OCS, and I was yeah. slated to go back to the seniors course that next summer. So <laughs> I call the officer selection officer, Captain Clemens, out of Denver, and I'm like, hey, sir, uh, I-, I want out of this program. And he's like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? You just graduated <laughs> the junior course. You got six more weeks. The day you graduate college, you'll be commissioned a second lieutenant, dude. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of gay, whatever. (laughs) And maybe for some people. Well, he goes, what do you what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to enlist in the Navy and be a SEAL. And he goes, hold on a minute. He goes, first (laughs) of all, I believe in you because I put you in my program. But do you know the chances of you? making it through that training they're very selective and, and i believe in you you're in my program but that's something else and i said i know but i read this book <laughs> i sound like a typical stupid kid
2: he probably rolled and, his uh, eyes and he's like yeah I he's probably times. like oh yeah right
1: oh, another one of these dudes but he, he was cool he said do me a favor call me back in 30 minutes i want you to make a list of pros and cons of, of what you're trying to decide a list of pros and cons about joining the Navy.
2: That's really I was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah."
1: well, it's basically the count the ten rule, right? Don't make an emotional decision. Um, So I said, fair enough. And I sat down and I wrote this list pros and cons and every reason under the sun why I shouldn't be making the stupid decision for sure. Mm. If I was honest with myself and I was and there's only one category and it was because I want to like, I just (laughs) want to do this thing and I don't even understand why. but everything else was like i should finish college i should get my degree i should be an (laughs) officer there's more money there's more prestige or whatever the fuck it is Mm -hmm. all this category of like i'm making a bad decision and there was only one little thing in the column of why i want to do this and it's just because i have a hair up my ass i don't know (laughs) i couldn't articulate it and i called him back and i said you know i'm looking at this paper and i feel like i'm making the wrong decision but in my heart and in my gut, like I just have to do this thing. I've, I've read this book and I can picture myself like friends with these people, their personalities. Everywhere I've been, I've always been kind of the mischievous one. I spent a lot of time in the principal's office in school, <laughs> believe it or not, but it was never for oh, bad I don't stuff. That. <laughs> <laughs> I was always for like farting in class, throwing an airplane whatever it was never you know wiping a booger on somebody or drawing a penis on the chalkboard but it was never like for fighting or stealing yeah. or whatever so i was just always was yeah. just on just, honorary yes. little, little curious <laughs> dude you know um but i just said look you know the personality of these group of guys from what i know so far That's my (laughs) track from this book that I got on sale for five bucks at the grocery store, (laughs) man. Yeah. And he just said, look, man, if you got a wild hair, be asked about this. I mean, I'm not going to stop you from doing it. And so I did. And I remember my mom still denies this to this day, but I call her up and I tell her I'm going to leave OCS and I'm going to enlist in the Navy. And she's like, what are you going to do in the Navy? I said, I want to be a Navy SEAL. Her first words. she's an old Italian Catholic woman from New York, <laughs> born in Manhattan. She's like, they're a suicide squad. <laughs> she was not having it. Oh you got to think. She was so proud of her baby, was going to graduate college, be an officer in the Marines. That's bragging rights at dinner parties and shit. Mm-hmm. Instead, yeah. he's going to crumple all that up, throw it in the trash can become an E3 in the Navy with the slim to none chance of becoming a seal. (laughs) I was betting all on black, put all, put a million bucks on that shit. (laughs) And she just was like, Holy shit. But again, eventually she was supportive and, uh, Of course, if you fast forward to the day of Bud's graduation, she was proud as fuck. And now, to this (laughs) day, every time she introduces me to someone, "This is my son Clark, a Navy SEAL," and I'm like, "Stop (laughs) saying that, (laughs) fuck!" And I, first of all, you said we're a Suicide Squad, which you're half right. (laughs) You know, but it's funny how when the gamble plays out pays and off. then yeah, yeah it pays off and then all of a sudden everyone's but everyone was against me like you're making the wrong decision and and it part of what was pushing me you, to, yeah mm-hmm. well because the chances are pretty slim and if you don't make sure. it your fate in the navy is you go back to whatever job you were doing before and life yeah. sucks and so <laughs> it is a big gamble but I had two mm-hmm. kids in tow and part of it was look if oh, I two enlist kids now at this point. yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, wow. I didn't learn my lesson the first time. I realized women can get <laughs> pregnant again. It was a mind oh, wow. crazy. <laughs> and I was like, "What? I wasn't destined to be officer of material, as you can tell. I'm not that smart." So <laughs> now I had two little ones. in tow, and and part of it was I need to start providing for these kids.
2: Yeah, and yeah. that's
1: why after I completed my junior year, I'm like, "I gotta go." I mean, I got these two little ones. I'm working two jobs. I'm holding a full class load. It's just too much. I need to be a provider. And at least if I enlist and go now, I got a steady paycheck. I got health insurance. No, and so yeah. that kind of forced my hand a little bit. But looking back on it in a good way, it was just tough at the time.
0: Yeah. So how old were you when you decided to enlist in the Navy?
1: I had to be, I'm guessing, about 22, something yeah. like that. You know, three well, years of college. So, I, I think What year I was, was that? <laughs> uh, I enlisted in the Navy in
2: 95.
1: Okay. So, yeah, 95 is when I actually signed the paper for the for the NAV. <laughs>
2: so so the war's over by that point, right? We're yes. just kind of Yeah, what's the oh, uh,
1: what's yeah. the
0: climate like as far as I don't know, world world events, <laughs> and wars going on in 95?
1: Well, none. None really none. because and I, and I didn't really know much about, you know, world politics or world conflicts or anything like that. I mean, as far as yeah. America's participation that I was aware of, that would be 91, the Gulf War. And that was a real quick four-day ground war. Um, What I Mm -hmm. came to realize in special operations, the boys are always creeping. Yeah, I promise that. There's there's (laughs) always the boys and the three-letter dudes are busy. In fact, not to get ahead of myself, but the best time to be in special (laughs) operations, in my opinion, is peacetime. Because then you're truly doing low-profile, sneaky-peaky backyard ninja shit. When a conventional (laughs) war kicks off, Let's say you're a SEAL, you're really a Navy Ranger at that point, because everyone's in mm-hmm. armored vehicles, everyone's kitted up, everyone's kicking doors yeah. and kicking doors, in my opinion, is not your primary job in special operations. That's what infantry does. They're the linebackers. They're, they're the heavy lifters. Right. And technically, you're there to support them in special operations. The true... Yeah. Um, the best time that the true talents of special operations is during peacetime is that preventative medicine is that surgical mm-hmm. ninja shit that nobody ever hears about. Yeah. Which has gone on really since the end of world war II. That's yeah. when special operations and the agencies really kicked into preventive medicine and keeping tabs on things. And, and to me, that's more fun than playing uh, Navy Ranger for sure. Not that kicking doors is bad, but that's yeah. really the job of the infantry As a special operations operator. You're more of a surgical tool, like a scalpel. You just, yeah. you know, slit a motherfucker's carotid artery as opposed yeah. to beat him to death with the hammer, which is what yeah, infantry does. So, <laughs> yeah. so I learned that That when I joined the Navy 95, not a lot's going on. But the further I got into the community, I'm like, oh, nothing has to be going on to keep you busy. So. Right. That was kind so, of good.
0: So the decision gets made and you join the Navy. So where do you show up where where did you have to go
1: great mistakes illinois great lakes <laughs> great mistakes and that was weird because that the summer before i was in marine ocs in quantico and now yeah. i'm at great mistakes as an e3 <laughs> And I remember when we got issued our uniforms, dude, the bell bottoms, the dungarees, <laughs> I, I I, looked at the guy. I'm like, are you serious? We still wear this stuff. I thought it was like some World War II shit like, you know, the old fucking movies, you know, Pearl yeah, Harbor yeah. shit or whatever. Like, damn, I didn't mm. realize this bell bottoms were going to be a thing. It, OK.
0: And so you you show up and it's time for boot camp or what's... it is
1: Navy boot camp, which is really stupid. Um, <laughs> because I mean dude, all you do is learn to fold underwear like it's you don't shoot guns you march around in these little formations and the first day they ask does anybody have any prior military experience and I'm like I raised my hand and they're like what did you do I said well last summer I went to Marine OCS so they made me the recruit chief petty officer so I was in charge of the whole division and I was older (laughs) To so a lot of kids are 18, 19. I'm like 22 mm-hmm. at the time.
0: Yeah, So, so now I just
1: <laughs> I, I volunteered myself into a leadership position. We're like, oh, no, it's probably a good thing. <clears throat> well, it kept me busy keeping mm-hmm. all those, you know, herding cats and guys <laughs> would come to you crying at night. or oh, punk! I, I was. This is so scary. I'm like, get the fuck out. <laughs> this is Navy fucking boot camp. dude. <laughs> after getting yelled at by fucking marine drill instructors for six weeks this is like dude these guys are pussies (laughs) yeah (laughs) but it was i mean whatever it it, it is what it is to me it was a means of going to buds now at that time i had signed uh it's called the dive fair contract so all that really does is say that if you pass the seal screening test in boot camp you'll get a buds contract The problem with that is there's no organized PT in Navy boot camp. Again, it's not like Marine boot camp or Army boot camp where you exercise, you run obstacle courses, you learn to shoot rifles. None of that shit. No organized
0: PT. So then what do you do?
1: You march around (laughs) in fucking (laughs) stupid little things. You clean you fold your underwear, have uniform inspections. Like for somebody that wants to be in special operations, the fact that you have to go through Navy boot camp is horrible. Yeah. Because I'd have to sneak up at night when the drill instructors would leave and do push ups off my Workout. bunk bed, push ups, sit ups, yeah. do jumping jacks to kind of keep some cardio going. Cause obviously I prepared physically before this, but now there's a two month period where you ain't doing shit. Really? So yeah. how do you maintain that standard? Because right before graduation i get to take this test no swimming nothing no running so yeah. my cardio is going down push up, sit ups. i'm doing my best doing you know burpees and jumping yeah. jacks and for as much so, as i can at night and so i tried to prepare for that test excuse me that's pass or fail and if i if i don't pass it i'm fucked do
0: you remember what the test was it's so like the yeah. pst is that what it's called mm-hmm. or
1: it is, yeah. The physical screening test. Yeah. Um, so I was a little motivated when they gave us our in brief to boot camp. It was this classroom, and uh, and back then not a lot of people knew what seals were. Obviously, it wasn't the news headline like it is now. There hadn't been a hundred books written, and you know whatever. And so yeah. the first seal I saw was this dude that came in. They said, "Hey, for those of you that want to be a seal, we got a the dive motivator is going to come in and talk to you." And it was this big jack dude that had UDT shorts on, half unbuttoned. His hat was all crooked. He had these dive boots on, whatever. And he comes in, he's like, how many of you want to be SEALs? And as soon as I started to raise my hand, he goes, doesn't matter. You're not going to make it. And he walks out. (laughs) (laughs) But I fell in love, dude. Here's this Jack, dude. He did a quick scan. (laughs) No one else. No one else in Navy boot camp is Jack. They're all like fat or skinny or they're just sailors. Mm -hmm. They're not. Warriors, they're sailors. Right. I mean, I get it, but I guess I've never that seen that dude it. was like my work little work. diamond in the rough, dude. I was like, like Look at that oh guy, <laughs> just that personality of like, doesn't mm-hmm. matter, you're not gonna make it, just walks the fuck out. I was like, Oh my, you know, like, it's just like trying to hit on a hot chick at a bar, and they just kind of makes you want them even more, dude. Like, oh, yeah. you know, I'm not gonna make it, you know. So, <laughs> the next time I saw him was right before graduation, where we had to take the test and uh it's pull-ups push-ups sit-ups uh swim and a run and uh and i pass it all but i barely passed the swim because i wasn't a strong swimmer yeah. um when i was at adam state college i had a buddy on the swim team that taught me how to do the side stroke because i mean i had swam as a kid just for shits and giggles yeah. but no formal instruction so for that test you have 12 minutes and 30 seconds to swim 500 meters and i made it in 1228 like Whoa. holy shit! <laughs> Pull ups, no problem. Push ups, sit ups. The run—I was a strong runner. I mean, here I am running in Colorado at altitude, you know, where the mm-hmm. Olympic Training Center is. So,
0: oh yeah, you got them Colorado lungs. We were yeah. talking. We <laughs> <Dude, laughs> do
1: well, just like I said before. Growing up, riding my bike all over the neighborhood, up and down hills, and outrunning bears and shit or whatever, you know. <laughs> so everything was good except for the swim, and I made it by two seconds. And I'm like, thank God, because if you fail, then they send you to some A school. Like, all right, now what do you want to do? You want to be a sonar tech? And you're like, no, um, right. no, you get one fucking shot. Cutting so- it close,
3: Clark. <laughs>
1: <laughs> dude, by a fucking Nat's hair, dude. I was nervous. So I get orders. I got to Coronado. Now, as I mentioned before, I have a girlfriend and two kids at that time. Yeah. And when I graduated Navy boot camp, we had kind of decided, I don't think we married because we were in love. It was more for her to get benefits. And I was trying to keep this family unit together. So yeah, I flew back to Colorado. We got married. So between boot camp and Bud's, I stopped by Colorado. We got yeah. married. She was still a full-time student at Adams State. She was from that town. So her mom helped with the kids and stuff. Yeah. And then I drove my Jeep from Colorado out to Coronado for Bud's class 204. And, uh, you know, I got, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it went well. I mean, I was, it, my first time driving over the Coronado bridge it was fucking crazy. Checking into the buds compound. Uh, there had been one movie. I can't remember the name of it. I, I can't remember even who was in it, but anyway, it was like one seal movie I saw. And so I knew what the Coronado bridge was and I was all pumped and, and uh, check into buds. And it was just so overwhelming, dude. Holy fucking shit. I mean, this is really my first military experience. Um, as I'm going through first phase, my, my wife and I, brandy wife, we were having major problems because she had no idea what this Navy stuff was, this SEAL shit. All she knows is I'm in California. She's in college. Mm -hmm. The marriage looks like it's going to end as soon as it starts. Like we have, Mm -hmm. we start having serious problems and this is even before cell phones. Like I'm on a pay phone pumping quarters in and trying to explain to her what I'm going through and she's not having it. And I'm getting frustrated at her. And Mm -hmm. uh, so I talked to my first phase proctor uh, instructor, Esherman, really cool dude. And uh, if you ever heard of the Esherman valve or like first aid and CPR type stuff, Mm. it's like this little patch that covers a bullet hole. Anyway, he ended up patenting some shit. I hope he's driving a Lamborghini right now because it's cool (laughs) to see like in trauma medicine, there's actually a valve, a patch made after this dude. But anyway, he was my first base proctor. That's awesome. and Super nice dude, family guy. And I start telling him after the day of training, like, look, I think I need to come back. I'm having marital problems. I think I'm going to get divorced. I got my wife and kids in Colorado. I'd like to bring them out here, but I'm kind of stuck in this system. And he's like, well, you know, my advice to you is get as far as you can and just try to keep working on your marriage. Like he was trying to keep me going down that path. And uh, it was in the middle of hell week for 204. I thought, why the fuck am I doing this? Like, I'm just, I'm not in it. So I walked up to Asherman and said, dude, I just, I want to come back. Like, I'm not quitting. I want to hit the pause button, dude. Mm -hmm. Can you recommend me to come back in a year? He goes, we can do that. The problem with that is we're going to send you out to the fleet and you might not be able to get back wherever you end up you need wow. a commanding officer to sign off on this document we're going to give you we will recommend you to return in a year wow but there's that CO has to sign off on it and I thought dude if I don't do this like I need to bring my family out here to San Diego yeah so that's what I did you know that's he crazy. allowed me to leave the program and uh and and it was tough because I thought, man, I've gotten this far. Like I know I can do. That's I, pretty I'm, far I'm, into. I'm everything. now successful. Yeah. Well, I think at yeah. that time it was like six weeks into it. Yeah, wow. you know, hell week sure kind it of varies. Hard, like I'm sure you're. <laughs> well, you know, I made it into Tuesday of hell week, and I thought, why am I doing this? You know, I like I'm really. If my plans to not graduate hell week and graduate buds, if I'm so focused on color, like I'm, I'm getting my ass kicked for no reasons. How I felt.
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: having that conversation with instructor Asherman, I felt confident that look, as long as the buds compound will recommend me to return, I'll find a way to come back. I'm confident in that. Now, if you quit and ring the bell, you ain't coming back. You know what I mean? So luckily I'm sure I'm not the first student to have family problems or injuries. Hey, we're going to release you, but recommend you come back, heal up, whatever it is. And so it's kind of a, like a separate category for people. And I was lucky to be put into that. He ran it up yeah. the chain. They said, no, nope, if he's performing, he's a good dude. We'll, we'll get him back. So I drove out to Colorado, grabbed uh, my wife and kids, and I had to report to the USS Shiloh. And the kicker was uh, w- without me knowing, I just know him, Hey, I'm getting stationed on the ship in San Diego. So I'm still close to the buds compound. Cool. That way yeah. i can fight my way back i'm not on the east coast or something right uh mm-hmm. the ship was due for a six-month deployment in 30 days and that was kind of a shock to me and my wife like the whole point of leaving <laughs> yeah. buds and bringing her to colorado was, was, to,
2: was to be close to yeah. get that so family unit yeah, yeah. yeah
1: and now it's like yeah. oh hey i just found we're out today we're ride. going on a six-month <laughs> cruise man holy <laughs> yeah, fuck. yeah. So poor girl, uh, man. I mean, she'd never been outside of Colorado. And here we are in like low income housing in fucking San Diego. Uh, see you in six months. And yeah, uh, it's tough. And how old so, are your
2: kids at this time?
1: They were little probably like two and three years old, maybe oh, wow. somewhere in their ballpark. So they were just little booger, eaters, man. And yeah. And her being away from her family money was a big problem. We lived in some shitty oh, yeah. apartment in imperial beach it was real ghetto and not safe and oh man so it was tough it was a tough deployment because now um at that time even in the navy seals weren't really known about or talked about like there might be one or two guys on a ship that want to go to buds and even know what seals are it's still a real low profile type organization and uh you know i was kind of alone by myself like i didn't want to join the navy to be a sailor And now i'm undesignated means i don't have a raid or a job on a ship mm-hmm. so they it's assigned just... me to deck division and my job was to paint the outside of the shiloh gray for yeah. six months on deployment and it never mm-hmm. stops because by the time you get around to where you started <laughs> it's already fucked up and rusty again yeah. oh man so i had to do some mental soul searching And Mm -hmm. I I really grasped onto a concept early on. I said, every bad day in the fleet is going to be a good day in buds when I go back. And that kept me kept the hope alive. And I kept a journal, which I found the other day in the garage of fuck this and fuck that. No, (laughs) stay focused. Every bad day in the fleet is going to be a good day in buds. And I just I had to be self-motivated. There was no gym on the ship. I had to run around on the decks. I had to do pull ups on these overhangs and I had to stay motivated but what I didn't know is I was really setting myself up for a successful return. If I could survive my time in the fleet, stay positive and stay in mm-hmm. shape and stay focused, yeah, I was good to go. So I got lucky. Uh, one of the signalmen, the, the LPO of the signal bridge, wanted to go to Bud's, the leading petty officer. He wanted to go to Bud's, and he had heard that I had come from Bud's. So he and I started working out together. Then he was like, hey, dude, why don't you take the signalman test, get away from deck division, and then you and I can just fucking look at nudie magazines and work out all day. Because the signal bridge, (laughs) they have a a, a safe where they keep all these secret publications, but half of it's like Playboy magazine. This is back in the day. So the signal bridge. (laughs) There's no internet. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's where you go to get your nudie mags, dude. If you're cool with the signalman, they'll hook you up with a Playboy Penthouse. And so it was cool that the LPO was like, dude, take the signalman test, become a signalman, because I promise you, Senior Chief will release us. He'll have the CO release us. We can both go back to Buds. You can go back to Buds and I could go to Buds the first time. I'm like, yeah, dude. So that started a whole thing. Once the bosun mates knew I was going to sneak away from deck division to become a signalman, I became like the enemy, dude. I got all the worst (laughs) jobs, duties. It was was brutal. They were gunning for me big time because now I'm like a traitor, right? I want to leave that division and all that stuff. That's not easy. even No, though it no it's a lot sounds of physical like it. work. Yeah, dude. No, I sound like it. But yeah.
2: dude, you got to be crazy <laughs> to be a painter.
1: Buckets <laughs> of haze gray, dude, and just chipping, <laughs> painting, sanding, priming. I mean, oh, you're out man. there in the heat. Every
2: day. We do a little
1: pump into the Persian Gulf. It was hotter than fuck, you know, <laughs> 100 and whatever degrees. And you're standing on a metal ship. It's just like, cookie, <laughs> like holy shit. But I made the best of it. So my time in the fleet wasn't wasted. I stayed positive. And, uh, you know, my mom raised me, right? She taught me to have pride in every job I do. Even if you're Mm -hmm. cleaning toilets, make them the cleanest fucking toilets anyone's ever seen. She just has an old school work ethic. And so that's what I did. I did my job to the best of my ability. And I kept my eye on the prize. I'm going back to Bud's. I ended up taking the signalman test and passing. So then I became an E4. And I was, uh, they call it SM3, signalman third class. And uh, and I got
0: that's like, um, sorry, it's like, is that like raising flags? War, or? It is. It's like some World War II or? shit.
1: Yeah. So before they had yeah. encrypted radios and shit, they would raise the flags. It would have codes. They would use the blinking light, you know, the little lights between ships, the, the Morse yeah. code. Okay. And so that's how they communicated back then. What formations to get into, who was going to fire, go over here. We're taking an enemy fire from here. There's an airplane, whatever.
3: And that's language. what that is.
1: Well, that safe, thats was to keep all these publications. So if a ship was flying a series of flags, you'd have to look it up. And it was like a little kid decoder ring. You would say, oh, okay, they're telling us to go to the right. So then you would run <laughs> up to the bridge and tell the officer of the deck of the captain, hey, we need to go four degrees right to this position. So we were the communications between other ships in the battle group. So it was kind of cool. It was useless at the time because now there's secure bridge-to-bridge radio you know captains can just say hey you this is me yeah, <laughs> yeah. so we're out there with our little flags like, <laughs> cheerleaders you know like, oh, great this smoke this.
2: signals <laughs> yeah it was pretty
1: much equivalent to smoke signals and now we have iphones it's like we're the fallback plan <laughs> yeah you know? yeah if comms go to shit it's actually it's a dead rate it doesn't even exist anymore but uh um, is it <laughs> yeah they combined it all to quartermasters i think So it's all kind of one thing, but it was laid back enough uh, that my buddy Donnie and I could, you know, train for buds, talk about it. You know, obviously I had been there for six, seven weeks, more than that, because there's a pre-phase to buds. I was probably there a month before that. So I was there a good two, three months or whatever. So pretty good insight. Yeah, it kept us motivated and in being stationed in San Diego, we could do beach runs. At that time, we could go to the buds compound, run the oak course. Like I showed him everything that I knew, but it was also preparing me for my return. So mm-hmm. he and I both got orders to go back for class two fifteen, and I was ready, dude. Other than like getting hurt or something out of my control, but I didn't focus on that. I already knew I made it this far. I made it into Hell Week. No problem. Like, I wasn't scared of anything because it wasn't a mystery anymore. And so I made it through in one shot with 215. He ended up getting hurt and rolled in third phase, but graduated a class or two later, ended up on the East Coast and retired as a chief, actually. So, yeah, you know, the whole whole moral of that story was even if you hit a speed bump, man, stay focused on your shit Mm and stay positive. And I just knew, like, I'll find my way back. So uh, there was
0: never a point you were thinking about quitting during hell week and all that stuff. You're just no, except for 215 uh,
1: (laughs) Tuesday night of hell week. I fell asleep in my food at mid rats at midnight, and then the instructor caught me and made me go stand under. So when you come in the chow hall, there's this big air conditioning unit that just blasts cold air down. And I think it's to keep flies out. Mm
3: -hmm. So
1: he made me go stand under that. And of course, you wet. And so I'm shivering, standing <laughs> under this industrial fucking snowblower, just blowing cold air on me. And I'm shaking and it's yeah. raining outside. Oh, and I man. was like, God damn, dude, I don't want to do this. I, I didn't think about quitting, but I was definitely throwing a pity party. Dude, <laughs> it's borderline quitting. You know, it's like yeah. I, I'm not well, touching a dick, but I'm looking at it. You know, what I mean? <laughs> so I'm, like, oh, I'm thinking about it and I was just so miserable. But then, of course, I remembered. Me having to leave Buds, going Wait, to the fleet, coming back. <laughs> yeah, well, I knew. And that's another thing. I think if they made more people go to the regular Navy first, they'd have less, less quitters so. because every time I felt sorry for myself, I'd see one of them gray boats out on the horizon. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, nope, I'm fine right here, dude. I, <laughs> I can handle the cold. It's I know what's happening on that floating prison, dude. I want nothing to do with it. So I knew, yeah. like, nope, I'm solid. I'm not going it's, anywhere. It
2: sounds like it helped you a lot, so actually. Do most it did. People- do most people that go through Buds, they go straight there? I think so. Nowadays, they
1: do. They have Buds okay. babies. And so you can oh, wow. get a guaranteed contract. I um, guess I didn't realize that. And they have all these like pre programs and they really try to stack the odds in your favor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But oddly enough, the attrition rate hasn't changed. It's still 70 to 8% per class. <laughs> you just so, can't wow. predict why or how someone's going to make it. Your first day at Buds, they line you up in a height line. And I'm in the middle. I'm six foot tall. At that time, I was probably 170. But I remember looking around and there's some big motherfuckers. You're like, dude, there's no way I'm making it. I mean, that dude's fuck. You know, you've had professional football players, collegiate wrestlers. Mm -hmm. It was a gymnast dude. Mm -hmm. And you'd be surprised who quit. Oftentimes, it's the biggest dudes that quit first for whatever reason. Wrestlers or something
0: else. Like
1: Mm -hmm. That is the number one sport. that is successful at Bud's. It's the only thing they figured out is that wrestling is (laughs) what because they've tried to figure it out so they can recruit those people who makes it
2: through. Wrestlers. And the
1: only sliver of data that shows consistent is wrestlers have a better chance at making a through buds than any be. other. Sport. I'm not surprised at all.
2: Yeah. That's <laughs> that would have know. been my first guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Well, You'd they, be, get, I mean, they're, be they're, they get their asses <laughs> handed to them and wrestling, oh, they, especially they, high school, college, two days, cutting weight, lifting. Cutting weight. I mean, they're yeah. just yeah.
0: miserable. This sports just, Yeah. Uh, Let's cut twenty pounds <laughs> yeah. off you, buddy. That's I mean, never interested me. In
1: high school, all my wrestler buddies were like trying to. They would have like a half a glass of water and an orange, and I'm like a grubby <laughs> hockey player eating whatever the fuck I I'm want. <laughs> <laughs> just, just hairy and mean, dude. That's all you gotta be to be hockey. But yeah, wrestlers are disciplined. So, how man. many
0: people were like in
1: your class?
0: How how big is a buds class?
1: We started with 274, and we graduated with 39 originals
0: dang wow yeah that's a big that's a lot of people that's that's about
1: the numbers you're gonna get from from everybody i mean it's 70 to 80 percent attrition now you do get some rollbacks from different phases as your class goes along so Mm -hmm.
0: whatever maybe
1: to manage really i mean Mm -hmm. gee well at first it's chaotic dude yeah at first phase is chaotic because it's just about 300 people on average give or take you know (laughs) they like they gotta instantly be trying to cut people
2: out (laughs) they they
1: do they have well in the first day you're probably gonna lose 10 15 people first week 20 30 people through the week but the further you get the the less people quit because you gel you bond you rely on each other but that first rush at buds is just it's, it's so crazy. Down. The instructors are pissed. Yeah, they're looking for any reason to get rid of motherfuckers. You know, they really <laughs> I think in first phase they want to slim it down as quickly as possible to about hundred mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And that's manageable. And then I think we went into second phase with maybe like 60 people. And then by the time you get to third phase, you're down to like 40 people <laughs> and then a couple are they,
0: roll-ins. <laughs> are they just PTing the crap out of you guys to get people to quit? Or what what's the main what's their go
1: to to just get yeah. people out like hammer sessions they'll hammer you so most mornings we had like a 05 pt out on the grinder so san diego weather it's cloudy cold yeah nasty so buds being 6 months you're going to catch bad weather at some point whether it's first phase in our case yeah. it was third phase out on the island but there's every week you have timed tested evolutions you have to run the obstacle course in a certain time a four mile beach run in a certain time and a two mile open ocean swim in a certain time. So that catches a lot of people
2: just
1: and then just the, the constant hammer sessions. People just quit because they'll just say form up on the beach. We're going for a conditioning run. So you form up on the beach, you wait for the cadre and you don't know if it's going to be three miles or 10 miles, or 14 <laughs> miles or five miles. Dang. they just form <laughs> up and go and you're like just chasing no boats, and you have no idea and they'll do they'll do shit like at the end of the day when you're tired they'll get your logs out there. I remember one day we had to get our logs kind of laying sideways facing the beach and we had to sit down on our butts and the boat crew would have to kick the log and then scooch up and kick the log all seven of us, all the boat crews and they said we're gonna do this until someone quits. Oh These are gosh. open-ended evolutions wow. and they mean it we'll be here all fucking night if no one quits and so everyone's like oh yeah nobody quit but inside you're like someone fucking quit dude someone quit so this is over because or- they're not lying they know <laughs> or they'll surf torture you they'll make you lay in the ocean and say we're doing this gents until someone quits and you're locking nice. arms going god someone fucking quit bro you're looking cold man you're looking cold are you thinking of quitting (laughs) so that's what gets people is is the mind games not knowing yeah not knowing at least in a timed evolution you know and so each phase for example the four mile beach runs is in, in we call it boots and utes so you have on your combat boots and your your camis or your greens back then
2: yeah
1: and uh and it's never on the hard pack. They wait till it's high tides. You're kind of in the soft sand. It sucks. And so <laughs> you're on boots in the soft sand. So you have 32 minutes to run two miles out, and two miles back. Second phase, you have 30 minutes. Third phase, you have 28 minutes. So the times always get smaller. The yeah. pressure goes up. A lot of people think after how week, I'm good. And that's not true. The standards get harder and harder. Mm-hmm. And that catches people because if you're like, a oh, borderline dude in first phase you have 32 minutes to do this run and you're like 31 30 yeah. as soon as it's 30 minutes or it's you get 30, tired mm, injuries it's a fast
0: run you know, yeah it's moving like, yeah four miles 28 minutes like seven mile yes yeah, <laughs> that's <fast. laughs> that's moving <laughs> you're wearing
1: combat boots in the sand i mean it's yeah. and that Damn. isn't your first evolution of the day that could be after two hours of early morning grinder pt followed by IBS surf passage where you're paddling the boats yeah. out. So that could be mm-hmm. like your second evolution after lunch where you've already ran, swam, done an O course. And all right, gents, we're doing the four mile time run to form up on the beach. So you're doing it on average about seven physical evolutions a day. Yeah, it's you're nuts. crushed. And there's classroom stuff on top of that as, as you get more into the diving. And so Halfway through, there's these academic pieces. Then third phase is land warfare. So it's all the tactical shit. You're dealing with demolitions and calculations, electronic demolitions. So electric demolitions suck. You know, you don't want to accidentally blow yourself up. You got to ground yourself. <laughs> so there's all these mental procedures that the further you get live fire exercises when you're shooting and moving. So, but it's real stressful, man. It's uh, you really it have to live matter. in the moment. And it sounds like it. When I went through, if you fail something, you're retested on it. If you fail it twice, you're gone. So if I fail a four-mile timed run, they might say, give me all my failures. And so you run up around that instructor and they say, tomorrow morning, we're going to, you know, whatever. You guys are going to rerun this. And so if you fail twice, you're gone. I mean, it's the standards are that. Whatever it is, you fail twice, you're gone. You know, it's like, holy shit. So it gets... If you fuck something up, you still have to focus on the next evolution and not worry about that retest. And that mind fuck gets a lot of people to quit. They get overwhelmed. Oh, yeah. By design,
0: probably. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So after that, I mean, you get through. And, I mean, do you have any questions, Jake, Do you want to ask about this?
2: This I mean, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I I kind of want to hear about life as a seal. You know, once you get through it, once you make it through, there's a. What? So we'll let
0: Clark go on with that. Yeah. Yeah. Graduation.
1: So, so one of the things uh, Bud's graduation is a little bit underwhelming in that you just get a certificate. It says you graduated. Like You're not a seal. You're a Bud's graduate. And you're like, oh, no, you're still not a seal. No, this is the toughest piece of paper I ever had to fucking earn, man. And you're not a seal yet, dude. So after Bud's, um, we we picked uh, in second phase, they said, fill out a dream sheet, pick three SEAL teams you want to go to, and then we'll we'll try to accommodate you. So I picked mm-hmm. five, three, and one. And in third phase, they finally tell you what team picked you up. So I realized, I found out I was going to team five. I was pretty stoked about that. So, but after you graduate BUDS, you don't report to your team yet. You go to jump school. You go out to Fort Benning, Georgia, and learn to fall out of an airplane for three weeks. Then you report to your SEAL team. And, uh, and you just, you're a fucking new guy, dude. Like they hate you. I mean, it's like your first day in prison, dude. <laughs> yeah. They're
0: so looking it's, around with me mugs, it is. And there's some <laughs> scary
1: looking dudes. Oh my yeah. God, man. You're just like, what <laughs> the fuck, man? And so at that time at team five, you had six months of probation. So they assigned me to the air loft to be a parachute rigger. And so there was some regular Navy rigger chief in charge of me and some other guys there that were trying to get their tridents and they just taught you the craft of the air department. And it was the team's way of assessing you. Okay. You've graduated buds. You can behave for six months. Now let's look at your work ethic. Can you show up on time? Are you learning this skill craft? If you pass probation, then you go to STT, still tactical training, which is like an advanced version of buds. It's all live fire. It's, These instructors are showing you this is how we actually do shit. Classroom time's over. Like, this is all live fire, radio shit, demolition, whatever. And it's harder than BUDS, but it's more of a gentleman's course. But what they're having you do, it's designed so that when you get to your platoon, it's not a shock. Like, you've basically already done a platoon workup. So now you can hang with the big boys when you get assigned to a platoon. But there are people that still fail STT. I mean, yeah. going through all that process, six months of bud, six months of probation. Now you're an ST and you fuck something up you got not a like, safety violation, pick up
0: the, <laughs> the tactics, I guess. Yeah.
1: Real. And it happens. And real yeah, it shit. happens because now That's you're crazy. running the plays. You're actually doing the big boy stuff. And some people just can't mm-hmm. comprehend information that fast. You have to become mm-hmm. an expert at being an expert. Like you have to be passionate about shit. It's like studying at Harvard to become a doctor. Like it's yeah, just, it's like- being fed that's info crazy. through a fire <laughs> hose, man. It's crazy, but it's not. I guess it's something you don't think about. Like, yeah, that's what they're looking for those types of people that can just absorb it. You know, they always said, see one, do one, teach one. You got to learn that fast. And so, yeah. STT was very stressful. Uh, three and a half months of that. Then there's a hundred question test of all the different shit you've covered from air ops to over the beach to diving to weapons demolitions medical and you have to get 80 percent or higher to graduate if you fail it you retake it and if you fail it twice thanks for showing up back to the navy and you're (laughs) like holy shit (laughs) man so i passed stt and you go back to your team and now there's the trident qualification test so you're still not a seal (laughs) even though you've been through (laughs) buds jump school probation and stt now you have the Trident board qualification. So, so how
0: much time has passed like, to get to that point? I mean, sorry to interrupt. Six months of no. each,
1: right? Well, so for me, the like, first day of BUDS to the day I actually got my Trident was 21 months. Dang,
3: man. That's
0: crazy. So it's that's a process.
1: Crazy. And that's, that's on average. I would say a year and a half to two years, depending so, on how the, the classes line up and what you're eligible mm-hmm. for. Back then, the Trident board was different for every team. Team yeah. one and three had an oral board. So you would go into the large classroom and every E7 and above at that command would be there. And they would ask you questions for 30 minutes or an hour. And that was it. And then they would determine whether you get your pin or not. Well, we had a new master chief at five that said, that's bullshit. We're going to do a practical application test. So we had 11 stations, 30 minutes at each station, 10 minutes in between. And there were 10 of us going for our tridents at that time. And so it's a big production in the command. And so for example, you would they would you would have a list of you got to go to this station, this station, this station, lunch break, this station, this station. So it's an all day event, all mm-hmm. practical application, which I actually preferred because sure. an oral board, I'd be nervous. And you're in front of every e seven and <laughs> above at the command and they could ask you some shit. And you're just like, I, I don't like speaking in front of people, especially these fucking serial killer looking dudes like uh <laughs> So I prefer the practical (laughs) shit because I'm like, dude, I know this shit. You know, like I've just buds and STT and like, I know this shit. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you might go to the the weapon station and the armor could have every weapon under the sun and it's up to him. I want you to disassemble and reassemble the M60 and name name every piece. Sure as shit. You disassemble Mm -hmm. it, name every piece, put it back together, function test, done. And then he can ask you questions: what's the max effective range? What's the cyclic rate of fire? Grab an a p5 disassemble it. And so whatever they want you to do, they, they own you for 30 minutes, Damn. and then they give you a pass or fail. You have 10 minutes to recompose yourself, take a shit, drink water, then you have to beat the next station, which could be comms, and then they have some radio operator with all the different radios we have. And they say, I want you to jam crypto on the 138, make a comm shot, or I want you to tell me about the hook 112, or 117 Delta. I want you to program it for this frequency. And so for 30 minutes, you have to do whatever the fuck they tell you, 11 different stations. And then at the end of that, if you pass, you officially the next morning will get your trident. So for me, and you can fail one station, you immediately test that day, retest that station. If you fail one, if you fail two, you fail the board, you get one more chance at the board. If you fail it twice, back to the fleet. And you got to start all over. And it's happened. It's happened. In fact, I was the second trident board at five. The first trident board, no one passed. Everyone failed. (laughs) I was like, well, maybe the process isn't fair. (laughs) If everyone fucking failed, dude. So then I'm in the batch, the second batch. So uh, me and Jason (laughs) freewald ended up eventually passing, but I failed my first station, which was offset navigation because the proctor didn't have the proper tools there. The, whatever little things we needed to swing and calculate the protractor and all that shit. And he said, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to bring it. I'm like, Nope, right here on the sheet. It says the proctor will provide these tools. He's like, Oh shit. My 30 (laughs) minutes is count. By the time he came back, I had like 15 fucking minutes to do two problems. (laughs) So I failed it. And I, I I, I snitched that fucker out. And I'm like, Hey, he (laughs) fucked me on the first station. (laughs) So they said, fair enough right now, 30 minutes go. And I passed it. But imagine that being your first out of 11 stations. and You already (laughs) failed one. Like I just, I said, all right, just data dump it. You got 10 more stations to pass, medical equipment. So I did it, and I retested offset navigation, and I passed it. And I was like, God damn, I hate this community. (laughs) Shit. But I passed. And the next morning, we got our tridents and assigned to platoons, and it was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Wrong. Now you're a new guy in a platoon. You're a new guy in a platoon. They don't give a fuck. So it's this constant... What I learned overall is that you're constantly proving yourself. You're, mm-hmm. you're never safe. You're you. They say it's one thing to get your trident. It's another thing to keep it. You earn that fucking thing every day. Mm-hmm. And two months before my first deployment, we fired our OIC, the, the senior guy in our platoon. So when I saw that... They can fire the most senior officer in the platoon. Like, who am I as a new guy? Like, I'm like no-fired.
0: <laughs> you're out of
1: here. Then? You're not cutting the grade. And, and we all came together and talked to our chief and said, Chief, you know, Lieutenant so-and-so was a nice guy. Have a beer with him anytime. But he he can't make decisions. He sucks. Like, we're going to go overseas. He's going to get us killed. Man. And the chief said, are you sure? Because you know what this is going to do to his career. And we're like, dude, it's, it's just it's business, tough. man. Like, he's going to get us hurt or killed overseas. And so, sure shit. He got yeah. fired and the ops boss stepped down and became our OIC. And we deployed. So that was a big lesson learned in the community. You're never safe, dude. You're never fucking safe. I mean, it's it's like the NFL. Like if you're slipping, you're fucked we don't have time for that shit. Cause there are yeah. thousands of people that will fill your fucking boots. It's not in that. Yeah.
0: So yeah, it makes never sense. stopped. Dude. It it
1: never that always grabbing that next brass ring. Never stopped. I mean, it is a community of overachievers. It's, it's. It's really fast-paced, man, for sure. I get nervous talking about it.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. My heart
1: rate's all up. Like, That's a hell of
2: an evaluation process. Yeah,
1: I'm going to have bros listen to this podcast. like, oh, I thought still a pussy, man. <laughs> you're, you're never there, dude, even though I'm just an old dude now talking shit. Yeah, still, my bros are like, oh, whatever, you know. <laughs> so,
0: you, so you officially joined the team, and then, I don't know, how was the... What was the what was the welcome like? What was the welcome? <laughs> yeah, what was it? Did you see some hazing going on? Is it just you? Are you the only new guy? Or
1: no? Each platoon got a a, a few new guys, and so we came up with this plan early on. Like He's we're gonna buddy. we're gonna protect each other. We're gonna <laughs> if they try to haze us, we're all gonna fight them back. That yeah, bullshit when they snatch <laughs> you up, dude. So they the first time they haze the guy. Uh, We made that pact, right? We're in Kodiak, Alaska, doing Winter Warfare training. (laughs) And we're all in our racks, dude, sleeping. And we just hear this ruckus. And they snatch Timmy out of his fucking bed. And our chief (laughs) wakes up. What the fuck's going on? And uh, my buddy... I'm trying not to use Dave, but like Frankie, I won't use last names. It's like chief. It's okay. Just some body snatchers. Go back to sleep. And dude, I remember just rolling over. Like, we were supposed to all pile out of bed and help, you know, we're going to help each other. Nobody fucks with us. <laughs> Ain't none of that shit, dude. I pretended like I just turned over, man, like some prison rapes going on. Dude. I want No part of that shit. Oh yeah. So dude, we look out the window. They have Timmy duct tape naked to a chain link fence. With a, a beehive with duct tape and a snorkel, and they're pouring like whiskey down the fucking snorkel, dude. He's taking <laughs> oh <God>. naked <laughs> to this chilling fat, too. And it's like, oh, <laughs> shit. And the the worst part is so your platoon workup uh, is a year and a half. You never know when your hazing's coming. It's just yeah. like,
0: fuck. Is it like every kind of a rite of passage? Like it something's is. gotta happen to dude, you? Every
1: new guy gets hazed. Absolutely. Something if they, if they don't bad. haze you, it means you're shunned. Yeah, and yeah. so it rarely happens, but it does happen. If they don't haze you, that's like, uh-oh, they don't like me. You know, haze, <laughs> yeah. you, you want to get hazed because then you're in.
0: Yeah. You want to get so, over with probably. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's the thing is my hazing wasn't towards the end. I'm like, God, when is it coming? <laughs> this is fucking, do it. Come on. <laughs> so they got me and another new guy. Uh, we were at our desert training facility out uh, kind of east of San Diego, out there in the desert. We got a facility that we train at. And uh, they snatched us up, stripped us down. And they actually duct taped me and this dude together naked in a 69 position. They put us on this dolly, this cart, and they put us into the like the frozen meat locker and they went with the other sister platoon to haze their new guys, but forgot about us. (laughs) And I swear to God, as I got this dude's junk and I'm just trying to like, you know, get away from it. What the I, fuck? Thought, I thought, dude, they forgot about us. We're going to die in this fucking freezer, dude. And I can already see the crime scene photos of like two naked <laughs> dudes duct taped, you know, frozen together like fucking yeah. popsicles. Like, God damn it. And they came in and they were worried about us. I saw the look on their face like, Are you guys OK? And they pull this out. Like, we're gonna warm you up. And I'm like, oh shit. (laughs) So they took a a bunch of Tabasco sauce and poured it all over our fucking cock and balls (laughs) and in our butt and all over warming us up with Tabasco sauce. Like, oh thanks, (laughs) dude. (laughs) So then they took us out and they threw us in some puddles that were out there and hosed us down and whatever. But then when it was over, they were cool as fuck. They handed us a beer and i said hey welcome (laughs) to the platoon oh i forgot to tell you this too they shaved off my pubes and super glued a goatee onto my buddy's face (laughs) oh my god super glued this shit dude it was so bad i'm like i'm glad they shaved my shit and put it on him dude (laughs) i mean yeah so they kind of didn't like that guy (laughs) yeah apparently they like me more than him because (laughs) that's getting someone's pubes super glued to your face dude like oh dude and bro, I can't I'm Cecilia, so Like I can't, I can't, I quit, now. I can't yeah. quit now. I can't quit now. That's really bad, bro. It is bad. That's I was so like, bad. oh. But you know, my oh, balls man. were on fire from the Tabasco. And I remember I tried to shower and it made it worse because the hot shower like opens your pores up. And it was just like, oh. So the medic comes in with a cup of milk. I like, dip my junk in the milk. I'm like sitting there like, oh, my God. But after that. Life was good, then you're officially a bro, and
2: <laughs> they leave ridden. you alone. And oh my god, and then god, you like get that, to do it to all the new guys,
1: yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, it's like child abuse, it's passed on for sure. It's it's
2: generational, but uh, you know,
1: I was always cool because I've always been kind of a softy, like you know, I would be the guy that might be there, but I kind of stand back and yeah, hey, bro, you need a water, you know. But then it was kind of <laughs> creepy, like, why is this motherfucker being nice to me? You know, <laughs> they, they, they thought, you know.
2: So I hope
1: hazing still happens. I know the military Um, frowns upon it. I think I've heard rumors that it's, you know, you can't do it in the teams anymore, but I would hope on these platoon trips, it still happens because it is their way of (laughs) welcoming you. It has to, I mean, it's probably just
2: not as extreme, you know, it's the yeah, age of cell that's, phones. That's a quick way, to, a no, quick like, way to get canceled in today's world.
1: Well, nowadays, <laughs> it, well, because of camera phones and shit, if something like that, I, there was a video, that that guys have them, still. Well, there was a video recently leaked that everyone freaked out about. Uh, they they had these well. bud students crawling through some CS gassing and happy birthday. Yeah, yeah. we talked about
2: this, and I'm
1: like, like, they freaked out about that. Yeah, I'm like that's what Tim
2: Kennedy said too. <laughs> that's nothing.
1: That that yeah. is a softer it's, version of yeah. dude. There was there was maybe I shouldn't even say this, but there was one dude that it was 21st <laughs> birthday, and they duct taped them naked to another chain link fence facing away, and we had these munitions, these wax bullets, we'd shoot at each other for force on force. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They gave him the 21 bun salute. They <laughs> mm. put that two rifles on full auto and lit his cheeks um, up with munitions, man. They're hitting pretty <laughs>
0: hard. They're leaving some big time.
1: Oh, (laughs) dude! Sims hit way harder than paintball, and this was only (laughs) a few feet away. They lit his butt cheeks up. It was almost like, oh shit, (laughs) 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 medic! You know, shit we did to each other back then. I mean, it was nudity, duct tape, and alcohol. Yeah, you know. (laughs) And so I see the video of them singing "Happy Birthday" in the CS gas or whatever the fuck it was, and I was Mm -hmm. like, is that freaking out about (laughs) that? Yeah, I'm like, they got off easy, man. (laughs) So, yeah, times have changed, but I think it's a good thing. Overall, it builds camaraderie, you know? I mean, maybe sometimes it's... Gone above and beyond, things have gotten out of control. But is it any different than any frat story you've heard of from ASU? Oh, damn, or, man.
0: oh no, 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 really. I, I don't I've never heard of the uh, puke goatee. I mean, that's
1: pretty, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty bad, bro. Yeah. I'm just glad I was on the, the right end of that scenario, dude. I mean, <laughs> we had it was like, a little weird getting your scroll shaved down, but I'd rather have that like, than,
0: <laughs> I mean, I've seen some hazing like with the football, and stuff. yeah, I've seen some pretty nasty shit go down but. <laughs> yeah i not quite like that not quite the pube <laughs>
2: super bro, glued pubes, man that's <laughs> yeah.
1: like God. you couldn't even get it off you no, know no, every but... time he shaves the rest of his life he's having flashbacks <laughs> <to>. <laughs> oh yeah he's at oh, the yeah. va like well how did you get ptsd from combat no pubes <laughs> no. man <laughs> no
3: Pubes, oh, pubes.
1: I'm gonna send him a manscaper razor, the new manscaper 4.0. I'm gonna mail that to him, be like, "I miss you, bro," or just mail him a box of pubes and a tube of super glue. Thinking about you. Oh. <laughs> poor guy. i oh, Hope he doesn't listen what? to this podcast. Fuck <laughs> I'll make sure move he on. does. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, bad. Shit so then what
2: so how, how long were you were you in the seals uh i was total in the navy
1: six years so four of it was in the teams about a year and a half was in the fleet and uh you know an unfortunate thing happened to the community called contracting you know in the teams as an e5 i was making about two grand a month and uh other parts of the government were willing to pay you at least 500 bucks a day so if you do the math in a 30-day month <laughs> $15,000, man, That's yeah. nothing to shake a stick at. Now I will say before contracting kind of hurt special operations. The two biggest things was injury and family problems mm-hmm. because you are gone 10 months out of every year. So it's not that you're home for a year and a half training and you deploy for six months. There's nothing to a seal compound, but Connex boxes full of gear. Maybe now there's a new compound. I think they have some handgun ranges or whatever, but in my day, we had to travel to do everything. So we were gone all the time. And uh, so I endured a divorce while I was in the teams. A lot of guys do a lot of injuries. Mm -hmm. So a lot of guys leave for those reasons, but in my era, the phenomena of contracting kicked off. So a lot of us left for paychecks. And so what you were left with in the teams is brand new guys and old guys. Mm -hmm. And that middle core of dudes was chasing paychecks with, the three-letter boys, State Department, Department of Defense, whatever it is, you name it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and this so that's what around, I left to do.
0: Around what year? Did you uh, leave? I left is active this duty
1: after? in 2003 and transferred right to This is after 9-11. Yeah, right after, after 9-11. Yep. Okay. So they found a loophole. Um, active duty military staff, full-time agents for these different entities can only do so much. But as a contractor, you are technically and legally a civilian. So yeah. the Geneva Convention doesn't apply to you. The Uniform Code of Military <laughs> Justice doesn't apply to you. Department's policies don't apply to you. You're, you're a wild crazy. Card. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So do they whatever realized, you want. <laughs> yeah. So they realized hey, these contractors can do we shit. Can use, our, yeah, we can use we can these them. dudes. You're a disposable soldier, mm-hmm. which is both good for them, but also bad for you because they will leave you. That's why you get the paycheck. paycheck. (laughs) Well, and that's it. You you got a fat paycheck, and that's it. Shut up and do what you're told. Yeah. There's no health benefits, there's no retirement. Uh there's no protection. You know, I mean, if they snap snatch up a a staff guy somewhere, there's the US government's gonna get involved. But if they snatch Mm -hmm. up a contractor, well, who never heard of this guy? I don't know (laughs) who he works for because you always work for a middle company, like I worked for Dynecore. Right. You don't yeah. workly li- you don't work directly for the state department or for the agency. You work for MVM, you work for Blackwater, Triple Canopy, Diamond They, they Corps, got whatever. some
0: uh contract that no one ever can read like, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> it's a slippery slope, dude. And so yeah, I left like a lot of guys to do contracting. And uh and that at that time was a brand new phenomena. It, it wasn't really a common thing in 03. And yeah. uh and I got whisked into this this fucking Scooby Doo mystery is the best way to describe it, man. It was fucking weird. <laughs> so Fell in love with it pretty quickly. Um,
0: what, what did you like better? Obviously, you left to do that. I mean, would you say you enjoyed it more or? I did. You I enjoyed liked, it uh, more. The
1: teams? It was the best parts of the military and it was missing all the bullshit. So there was no ranks, there was no uniforms. It was all first name basis, reputation. You got paid well. And now, my first got, team I got sent to
0: got paid. Yeah, well, the paycheck was crazy. Dude. That's, we what, we that's we're all millionaires, dude. We were that's like, yeah.
1: 15 grand a month. fuck, dude. What I liked is my first uh, deployment to Israel. All my team leaders were all retired Delta guys, CAG dudes. And so in the teams, I only had access to inbred frogman knowledge. Right. This is how we do things. <laughs> fuck the Green Berets. Fuck the Rangers. We're SEALs. Mm-hmm. We do it this way since Vietnam. This is how we do it. Now, as yeah. a contractor, my teammates are Green Berets, SEALs, Delta guys, eventually. Sounds recon. Like well, unstoppable. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, because we teach each other. We, when we go right. to the range, I'm looking at how you set up gear. I'm looking at how you shoot your gun. And then we would, hey, you, you, you do a course of fire tomorrow. Then the next day, I'm going to run a course of fire. And so we'd learn each other's whatever mm-hmm. you learned in your community. Now you're teaching me. So I had access. It went like from going from a library to Google. Yeah, it's like a just,
2: super team, man. That's a good, right. I, that's a good the uh, curve. comparison there. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah I mean, absolutely. you have all the information that you all need. of it learning curve <laughs> yeah. skyrocketed,
1: dude. So yeah, I love that aspect of it, man. I just took notes. So uh, I'm very humbled.
0: I know you can't get into like too many details, but like, what was the type of stuff you were doing? Like the missions, uh, I guess you know, what kind of stuff in places were you going with these guys?
1: Well. I could tell you, but then I have to glue my pubes to your face. So. Uh, that's all right then. <laughs> Let's do it. Fuck it. Now each different. So contracting. <laughs> said,
2: no dude, I already got it. No, right right. bro.
1: <laughs> so I my I spent my time in uh, Israel, Afghanistan, and Iraq as a contractor. And each area was very interesting, very different, in a very different mission. Um, Israel was weird being there. I was there the longest. I did five trips in and out over a two-year period, and uh it was two groups of people that hate each other on a biblical scale. Like mm, yeah. those people sounds have like, been sounds in about right. for, yeah. So it was weird yeah. being there. Um, very uh, a lot of historical shit going on, and it was like, holy shit, this is like. I've heard about these two people fighting the Palestinians and Israelis since I was a kid. I mean, it's, there's mm-hmm. some shit going on here. So our mission there was really an intel-driven mission. Um, the Israelis weren't sharing a lot with the U.S. State Department. And so we were basically trying to broker peace between the two sides. And it was some mission called uh, the Roadmap to Peace. We nicknamed it the Roadmap to Pieces because it was just falling apart. It was like uh, a married couple going through a divorce, and we're trying to like keep them together. I mean, it was very hard to when we spoke with the Palestinians, the Israelis were suspicious of us. When we would deal with Mm -hmm. the Israelis, the Palestinians, they thought we were like doing some double agent shit. And so our diplomats were speaking with their diplomats trying to find a solution, Mm -hmm. but we had to gather our own intel who was who and and no part was sharing shit. And so uh, these Delta guys were real good about teaching us counter surveillance, photography, sketches, when we go inside this, Minister of Interior, you know, we would do our little where the meeting room is going to be, the layout, where their armed guards are, whatever it is. And then we'd go back to our car, go into the bathroom and draw these sketches and shit. And then we would upload all these sketches and stuff to this disc and we'd turn it over to the agency. And so a lot Mm -hmm. of it was gathering intel of where are all these players at? You know, the U.S. hasn't been heavily involved in that region on a diplomatic level for a long time. So. It was a real kind of you know spy versus spy type vibe to it something completely different than i was ever even trained for i wasn't trained to be an intelligence asset at all i was just yeah. a stupid i was a 60 gunner in the teams i was a me i was like animal mother from full metal jacket that was my hero i wanted to be that <laughs> dude and uh i end up in israel kind of on this intel driven mission and so i loved it though i embraced it it was very interesting something i'd never done before and i was in yeah. good hands a lot of these uh, Delta guys were very good at the surveillance counter surveillance type game. Cause they do a lot of low profile ops. It's, mm-hmm. it's how they keep themselves busy uh, even during wartime. Yeah. So they're I very feel like hard.
0: Like, um, like white dudes, like, I don't know. And Not everyone's white, obviously, <laughs> but like, how, how do you guys fit in? Like, I don't know. You really if don't you're really being sneaky.
1: Well, yeah, you really
0: you're really. not, you're like uh, just out there mm-hmm. and, Here I am, like I'm the
1: diplomat. (laughs) Well, that that's your disguise—is that you're there with State Department, you're with diplomatic security services, and so you're never the first. No, the first indigenous type stuff I saw was in Afghanistan. and it was kind of funny because you're right you know we're typically bigger people and here we are trying to wear some tablecloth and blend in with the local population and you look fucking (laughs) stupid you're not fooling anybody so we 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 learned early on who's our smallest dude all right you're going indigenous you know because you gotta no no afghan dude is six foot 230 pounds beard (laughs) and tattoos you know and so for example in afghanistan We might borrow a local taxi cab from a gentleman, and then we would follow our motorcade around and and wear the little get up and look indigenous. And here you got, you know, a small dude or two in a taxi cab driving around. And so we got a little bit smarter with the Intel driven portion of that stuff. Um, Afghanistan was very weird. I describe Israel as, you know, biblical hatred, but Afghanistan was the Wild West. You know, our in brief to that was every step you take, you better own it like it's American soil because these fuckers aren't scared of you. They fought the Russians for 10 years. They fought each other for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And now we're fucking with them. And so it was the Wild West. I got lucky that most of what we were doing was in the Panjshir Valley, which was the Northern Alliance. It's very Western friendly. So we had permission to be there. There's one way in, one way out through the lion's mouth. And there's a little kid sitting there with a radio, and you better bribe that fucker with some Playboys, some fucking <laughs> money, some MREs, because he's getting on a radio telling somebody, thumbs up or thumbs down. That's good. So we made whoever that little kid was is a badass man. He's in charge of a lot of shit. I don't know <laughs> yeah, who he's related to, but you made that little fucker happy, and then you drove in, and it's That's just nuts. these these mountains and one road and a river. And you ain't going nowhere. If they start raining <laughs> down on top of you with machine gun fire and rockets, like you're fucked. So so you traveling through. <laughs> it was, and you see burnout Russian tanks and shit. And it's like, are they leaving that as a warning, bro? Like, why do they still have these burnout tanks? And you're in a Toyota. <laughs> and you're like, what, <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. So um, yeah, Afghanistan had its own challenges. It was like a fucked up Colorado. I was there in the winter time. It was very beautiful. snow-capped mountains, but uh, it smelled like poop, and everyone looked yeah. angry. Yeah. A lot of fecal matter in the air, because they just dumped their shit from buckets out into the streets, and now you're walking yeah. through the streets. like. And- <laughs> what was your typical sleeping arrangements like? We got lucky. We, made, we learned to make friends, because uh, we had some former Green Beret dudes with us. And so they would make friends with the local ODA, and we would shack up at their safe houses. Otherwise, we were sleeping in vehicles and things like that. Yeah. so if we could land a safe house dude that was like a mansion for us too. <laughs> yeah we were like bro we'll just yeah. curl up in the corner or something man we're good you know it was <laughs> that was big yeah. living man. yeah and so that that mission there was it was pretty intel driven as well um, we would go in maybe three or four days in advance make sure the area was stabilized talk to the sf dudes talk to the locals and then an unknown person would fly in on a Blackhawk helicopter being escorted by Apache gunship, which we called a shark. That person would get into our cars. They would have a little meeting with someone, maybe drop off a little cash, and then we'd get back in our cars, and we'd drive them back, and the helicopter would come in and pick them up and see you later. All right, cool. <laughs> so we used to call them drug deals. We would just support drug deals. Obviously, they were buying information from the village elder, I assume wanting to catch the bigger fish or maybe something that happened. Maybe there was a bomb that went off in Kabul and they wanted yeah. to know who did it. So they knew who to talk to. And, uh, hmm. you know, rumor was there was up to like 250 grand per suitcase. So I was always trying to figure out how to catch a suitcase, bro. <laughs> you know? Do the old yeah. switcheroo. <laughs> uh,
2: so well, you were Mr. Was- Moneybags at that point. Well, that's all we were. We we were facilitating (laughs) drug deals, man. I mean, it was,
1: you know, large amounts of cash for information and uh you know we were kind of their pawns to hey you guys go in the area first hang out for a few days make sure it's cool before mr big flies in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go, all right cool you know we we're idiots so we did it <laughs> made friends freaking with the kid went, you know, well the lion's mouth man he's probably still sitting there except he's probably fucking you know 35 years old now who knows freaking <laughs> wild dude so, ah. yeah it was fun and then uh iraq was the training mission we got tasked to uh I, I contracted directly for the Department of Defense, and we our mission was to create an Iraqi Tier 1 unit. And so I was at Camp Dublin in Baghdad, and for uh, two deployments, a total of six months, two quick three-months deployments, we were training the ERU, Emergency Response Unit. Yeah. And that was a whole other freak show. You know, dealing with that was just Iraq 0607 was very busy. The insurgency was in full swing constantly yeah. getting rocketed route irish was getting fucking lit up all the time we got hit several times on route irish sometimes our iraqi students would turn on us you know we had to institute. that's what i was thinking. yeah Man. well and that was my biggest concern is like well who the fuck are these people how like, can you, yeah. yeah how can you trust these so <laughs> well i even saw that in afghanistan like America has a weird way since World War II of conducting wars is like, well, we're fighting these people, but we're friends with some of them. And but then some of those <laughs> friends turn out not to be friends. Like the last time we fought a war was World War II tank right. for tank, military for military. You know what I mean? Go ahead. Yeah. You have a different yeah. uniform. I have a different uniform. Since enemy not forward. It's it know, just yeah. they we're fighting really a civilian population because they don't have a military in place. We're fighting an insurgency. And they look yes. like the populace, like what the fuck, you know? And of yeah. course, they infiltrate projects like the ERU. And,
0: and that's when I mean, everything I don't, I mean, I wasn't there, obviously, but then all these rules of engagement
1: and all these yeah. things. And it gets just, weird. It yeah. started getting wacky there at the end. Yep. Mm. Yeah, it does. And that's why, so now we're kind of in the 060 time frame. And I realized, like, holy shit, my kids are now teenagers, dude. I got to yeah. get back to the States. I've been yeah. running a gun. My first deployment was in 96 with the Shiloh when I was the painter Joe dude painting my float in prison, 10 deployments later. Here I am. Oh seven in Iraq. Like, yeah. Holy shit, <laughs> man. I got some family yeah. shit to do. You guys figure this shit out. So <laughs> that's what kind of led me to come back home and, and not knowing what to do, how to reinvent myself. I decided, Hey, Phoenix PD sounds great. <laughs> and, that kind of yeah. segued into that chapter of my life, but it was mainly realizing, damn, my kids so went from toddlers sorry. to teenagers, man. I got it. If I die, they that, won't even know who I am. Is yeah. that
0: just where your kids were? Is that why you went to Phoenix or?
1: No, they were out in California still left over from the San Diego days after the divorce. Mm-hmm. My, oh, yeah, my they wife, just, ex-wife they stayed, stayed there. there. Did um, my mom was still in Colorado in the same little mountain town there. So I, I first went home there my brother was living in phoenix and i had this cop idea so i got online in the local sheriff's office they test like once a year like 3000 applicants and they take three or two like your chances of like this oh, wow. sucks so i thought well <laughs> hey how about phoenix my brother's living in phoenix and i got on phoenix's website and it was like now hiring 500 officers <laughs> and i'm like holy <laughs> shit So I called up and the recruiter's like, yeah, bro, we test every week with the sheriff's (laughs) office. It was like once, maybe twice a year. I can't even remember. It wasn't often. (laughs) So I'm like every fucking week. He goes, yeah, just come on down every Thursday. So that's what I did. I told my brother, hey, I'm coming down. I packed up the Jeep and (laughs) I stayed with him and started getting through the the hire process. And he owned a few properties out in Mesa, which is kind of a suburb, a satellite city of Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And I just rented one of his apartments and just dropped anchor there, dude, and got through the hire process and started working for Phoenix PD. And then I eventually got custody of my two kids from California. No, right. Made, made a deal with the ex-wife. And so they came out <laughs> to live with me. And so, I got pretty lucky, even though the hire process was a little shaky because they have to figure out who the fuck you are. And I had had a weird past at that point. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not your 21 year old dude that just failed out of ASU and decided to become a cop. I you know, I'm this weird. Sealed yeah, who dude. The heck is this dude? <laughs> well, they asked me like during the background investigation, I need to know everywhere you've lived. In fact, I need to know everywhere you've spent a night. and i'm like dude are you there there are places i I know know, know. i've forgotten like holy shit in fact i had to call him back because i forgot that i lived in nebraska for two years i was so freaked out (laughs) trying to remember everything i forgot two years in junior high we moved to hastings nebraska so i called back like i'm so sorry i i forgot i lived in nebraska and he was kind of like you know normally i would be suspicious of that but with your past i could see how you would forget nebraska i'm like yeah dude
2: yeah I'm like we stayed Baghdad, in a car on Kabul. this corner yeah yeah right
1: this one sf safe house in panchere valley oh fuck slept in a taxi cab one night a couple whorehouses in thailand that for a few days yeah we
0: missed that part where, yeah. where's the thailand stuff because i've heard you talk about this before something got glossed there
1: thailand yeah um because that's where your wife from right, yeah. Well, I've had two wives from there. The, my current <laughs> wife is my third wife, but God bless her. We've been together eighteen years, so I finally figured out you Dang, have to like so be yeah. around to keep a marriage going. <laughs> oh! these, these deployments getting away that shit. That's so, crazy, bro. <clears throat> the first time I went to Thailand uh, was in '90s on the Shiloh. We went to Phuket, and I had a, a sea daddy. That's kind of a mentor that brings you in. Uh, just like one, we'll call him David i don't okay. want to use last names but he uh <laughs> he showed me the thai culture he uh, you know we went out in town scored some chicks and had some fun and so that was i fell in love with thailand right away but my Is visit it? was short you know probably three days in the ship we had to leave the teams brought me back to thailand because thai thai seems quite a bit and we were there for months and so we went indigenous bro it was just flip-flops <laughs> and mayhem dude it was and the tie sales were so cool because <clears> the, <clears throat> they, the <laughs> they knew every day we were hung over. So they were like, why don't you guys just sleep? We'll play soccer and we'll tell your chief you did a good job. And we're like, yeah, bro. We're just. Up. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up at the end of the day and then we just go get boozed up and chase chicks all night. <laughs> and then uh, it was weird <laughs> from the hotel. We had to take this bus to the Navy base. And then we had to get on this Bruce Lee bonka boat, this wooden boat, and travel about 30 minutes to Seal Island, like a fucking Bruce Lee movie. Like, we're gonna go fight some dudes or something. (laughs) And we're all hanging over the side of this boat, throwing up, and we were just train wrecks the whole time. And the Thai Seals were so cool, because they know, dude, they're like, all right, every platoon that comes here is a mess. You guys just sleep, eat some (laughs) rice, we'll play soccer. We're good. (laughs) So that's when I fell in love with Thailand, kept Mm -hmm. coming back on vacation kept remembering (laughs) (laughs) and then well when i contracted i bought a condo there so in between rotations i would bounce and it was a lot closer to the middle east and you got the 330 tax break if you're away from america more than 330 days Mm. out of a year you get huge tax breaks so a lot of us had condos in costa rica thailand philippines brazil wherever And I I dropped my anchor in Thailand. So, dude, in a plane (laughs) flight, I could go from Baghdad to Bangkok. Imagine what that does to your mind.
2: (laughs) You're in fucking
1: Baghdad getting rocketed and shot at. And all of a sudden you're at a go-go bar, which is their version of a strip club, drinking vodka I Red mean, Bulls. <laughs> so I'm guessing
0: uh Thailand's pretty nice. <laughs> I mean, it yeah. is,
1: it is, it's, it's what chill. balances out Baghdad, it's what balances out all that chaos is more chaos, but it's fun chaos. And so yeah. just okay. you're stretched to the extremes of pain and pleasure. You know, you go from a war zone to the most pleasurable place on the planet with beautiful women and booze, and
2: yeah. your
1: mind is like. Bro, uh, (laughs) what sounds like Las Vegas?
2: It it, it (laughs) is. In
1: fact, patio where I lived is kind of Vegas on steroids because it's just there's no rules there, dude. I mean, (laughs) unlimited amount of chicks, drugs, alcohol, whatever path you want to walk, no one gives a fuck. It's right. just holy, shit. you are your own worst enemy. Every night's Friday night. Um, if you want to at be that time, your... it was 44 of their dollars to your one dollar. So I would go into my bank account with my debit card, and I had like eight million And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm a millionaire, making it right? You know, it's cheap. we were it's out of, of control, out of control, dude. It was, I made the equivalent of 600,000. Bought a month of their money, so we actually (laughs) lived like little baby rock stars. The average Thai person at that time made about a hundred to two hundred dollars a month, and we're making 15 grand a month as contractors. (laughs)
0: dude that's crazy and their currency is kind of like relative to their economy yeah, yeah. and then you said but then you lead, yeah okay yeah. I, I guess dude you it know, you was
1: just, like wow there's no the gloves have come off dude we're we were full <laughs> nut jobs dude it was god forbid it was awesome. someone's birthday dude you're like buying the whole bar everybody come with me I mean, well that be nice that'd be a cool feeling it's like being a high roller in vegas dude you know yeah. what i mean Tricks Like on me but yeah We've have that, that conor mcgregor money, dude. <laughs> yeah <laughs> shit yeah. so it was pure debauchery and so you know for you found about, a couple of wives about yeah, yeah. <laughs> I smoked through another marriage and uh and yeah i met uh this current wife and i have a, a kid with the second wife who's thai she's actually with me now here in america yeah. She's been here for two years, and so it's kind of funny. Like, well, how much of my past do I show my daughter, dude? You know, <laughs> like, luckily yeah. she don't listen to podcasts. But That's good. Yeah, it's been a not trip. yet, <laughs> not yet. But when she does, she'll be like,
0: "Oh my god, my dad." Dang, dude, we got off the rails there. Where were we?
1: Uh, hey, you mentioned PD Thailand, and dude. No, I, I was leave like, out hey, Thailand wait. for a reason, dude. We could do a whole separate episode if you want me back just for Thailand stories, dude. Well, we might take you up on that. We're, <laughs> we're trudging. We're like
0: trudging on through your life. It just
3: takes forever,
1: bro. <laughs> it does. It, it should be its own episode per chapter because it's so complicated. Yeah, I know. With I, the I, teams I, contracting and law enforcement. It's also. Yeah, I want to
0: just keep asking questions, but I don't. <laughs> Want to get hung up too long, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, you're kind of like Forrest Gump. You just have so many experiences. I, did I have <laughs> that Forrest Gump luck
1: because none of it yeah. is due to driver talent. It's just I happen to be at a certain place um, at a certain time, and yeah, it's it's been a wild ride, but just blessed, so, you know. I guess. Um, what did you think about the cop life? It was weird, man. I, I how and how, how long did you do that? Eight years. That's a that's a big chunk. It was, it was weird for me because I didn't really want to be a cop. I just didn't know what else to do when I came stateside and I respect yeah, the profession. Right. It's a noble profession, but you know, I was born and bred, you know, in my opinion, to be a warfighter from when I was a kid, I loved world war II movie Rambo my time in the military, my time as a contractor. But then for family reasons, like I said, my kids went from toddlers to teenagers. I'm like, dude, I got to go back stateside. I've smoked through two yeah. marriages. Mm-hmm. I now have three kids that don't even know who their daddy is. My youngest was just born. And so me coming back to the states, I thought, well, at least if I'm a cop, I'm still in uniform, i still run around with a gun. Like some of my skills yeah, translates translate. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. I mean, like Carl, I called Charles Schwab and asked to be a broker, but they're like, no thanks. You know what I mean? Like, what, what do you do? Like, but yeah. I'm really good with an M60. And they're like, yeah, thank you. We'll we'll call you. Don't call us. You know. So I thought, all right, law enforcement, and uh, and you know, I enjoyed the academy. It was good. I, I, I did what they were putting out. I loved my time on the streets. You know, I got lucky to, to be in South Phoenix, which is a very busy part of the city. Um, yeah. At that time, according to FBI statistics, Phoenix was the second most violent city in America, second only to Chicago. Damn, it damn. was the kidnapping capital of the United States, second in the world, only to Mexico City. So because of the Sinaloa cartel, Phoenix is busy as fuck. Damn. A lot of drugs. A lot of organized crime at the cartel level. And then, of course, you got gangs and all this other shit. Some of that trickles over from L.A. So I loved it. My first two years on the street <laughs> were wild, bro. That's I mean, crazy. again, I can come back for cop stories on another episode because, dude, it's the cop stuff. I was like, and what freaked me out was this shit's uh, happening yeah. in America. Yeah, is yeah the exactly. that's this scary. This isn't Kabul. This isn't Jerusalem or Tel Aviv. This is yeah. one right city here. in a country that has. A ton of big cities what's houston like mm-hmm. right? dallas right los angeles chicago detroit i mean holy shit like oh, there were there were parts of this city that were worse in afghanistan like mm-hmm. just fucked up so it was a yeah. shock to me that i just grew up in a different part of america there really are two americas mm-hmm. and working in the ghettos and the hoods and barrios of south phoenix i was like my eyes were open to holy shit there's some legit shit going on i mean Gunfire on a daily basis. They did a drive-by on our precinct. I mean, it's just they don't give a fuck. I mean, there's some oh true gosh. savages out there. Yeah. No it's, it's so wild. I was loving it for a long time, but then the policy started to change. You know, started trickling down from Washington all the way down to the city. This kinder gentler type mm-hmm. cop shit, and you know, there we're always ten more things you can't do, ten more things you can't say. Mm-hmm. So the so- point where you can't function right well and that's so what happened to me is i got scooped up early on to be undercover because of my tattoos and shit um luckily phoenix had a cool tattoo policy they didn't give a fuck as long as nothing was on your face and nothing was like racist you know no swastikas Mm -hmm. or hamas flag tattoos or whatever so i had to document every tattoo i had Mm -hmm. with the background investigator and it's all drunk sailor shit so they Mm -hmm. get it okay um but I got recruited to the undercover side of things fairly quickly because of the way I look. And I don't act like a cop either. And I loved it. It was scary as fuck at times, but I really, you can create things. You can hunt, you can use your imagination. I was doing search warrants, but then because of manpower issues, we got a new chief. He dissolved my x-ray squad, my undercover squad and sent us back to patrol. And I knew that was the beginning of the end because You can't show me how the other half lives. It would be like me being a seal going back to the Shiloh.
2: Yeah. Hey, fuck all that cool guy shit we're doing. Jumping
1: out of airplanes is cool, but we need this ship painted gray. No, I want to do that. The other stuff was cool, man. That's how I felt as a cop. I was doing all this undercover shit, learning shit. We had a desert task force. We're out there with night vision, hunting backpackers, trafficking dope. I mean, it was like this is the shit. As a cop, I'm wearing camouflage and night vision, bro. And then it's back to patrol graveyards and i'm like holy shit they're back they're to shoplifting reports and, yeah cops. i know going they're... back to the graveyards is horrible dude and at that time i was in my early 40s you see, your body clock is all fucked up dude the, the <laughs> yeah. solicitor knocks on your door at 10 a.m and you rip his head off because you just got to sleep because i was working nine <laughs> at night till seven in the morning <laughs> the weed eater next door and you just I had never slept dude. it was horrible so i knew yeah. you, this is coming to an end and because of manpower issues there was no chance to go back to a specialty unit and by nature i like being a special dude i like creativity i don't want to be a a line and file shiny boot motherfucker whether it's infantry (laughs) or a patrol cop i respect patrol cops it's the heavy lifting but i'm a different type of person i'm kind of the goofy artist dude i want to use my imagination i want to as a cop, I want to buy crack and make friends with hookers because I'm good at that <laughs> shit. You know? That's fun to me. Man. <laughs> Taking shoplifting reports and car accidents is not fucking fun. And so once That's I awesome. got a glimpse of that world and was thrown back into patrol, I'm like, ah, this. What I wanted to do was um, because of my military background, a lot of cops have trouble passing their annual qual. So my phone would start blowing up. Hey, Clark, I had trouble passing last qual. Could you meet me at the Academy and teach me to shoot? So I would show up and two or three things I would change. And these guys were killing it. And so I kind of got a bug for what I call rehab shooting in five Mm -hmm. minutes. I can make anyone a good shooter. It's fucking easy. Other people make it way too hard. It's very easy to shoot. The gun does all the work. It's pretty fucking easy.
3: You just have to get out (laughs) of the way of
1: it. Yeah. So I wanted to go to the Academy to be a firearms instructor. That wasn't going to happen. So ultimately I left to be a firearms instructor and that's when i moved to texas and did that for a while so my time right. was done with law enforcement and thank god because we've seen recently all the anti-cop sentiment and protests and my buddy's yeah, still yeah. on the job probably the a good time to get out. <laughs> yeah i was lucky dude I just, what year I was that your last? 2016 is when i left i did it from 08 oh, wow. to 16 and then 16 to 19, I was doing the firearm stuff and I loved it, but the money was so hit or miss. There was no consistency yeah. in it. And I was traveling a lot. Yeah. So a SEAL buddy of mine called me up with the safety gig. And that's what I've been doing since 2019, man. It's nice. a safety dude for a utility company, which is fucking easy, dude. Take n- <laughs> I just After take everything me. you've been through. Taking yeah. it easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the owner of the company was worried that I would be bored. I'm like, sir, I'm looking for some boarding. Dude. I trust <laughs> me. I have nothing to prove. My job's to go out to the job site and make sure a motherfucker's wearing a hard hat. I got you. <laughs> he will be wearing his hard hat. That's easy. <laughs> and I love so you, it because it gives so me time a, to stay home, you know, with my yeah, family. drive
0: room. around a lot or...
1: You know, I guess they spread it, out or it's Just well, it's like, spread out through Northern California, but everything's within about really about a one to two hour drive, a couple job sites, or maybe a three hour drive one way. But I get to pick where I go and when I go. I work six days a week, but it's up to me to which show up yard I want to go. So I just, and you just and make choose.
0: your round. You're just wandering around.
1: <laughs> make my rounds. I have a little audit I have to do, so I take some pictures. It's a little app. I drop these pictures into the app, and I make little Sweet. comments. Yeah. And then I go to the gym. I can go home,
2: <laughs> chill out with a, my daughter. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> so I have consistency. I'm with my family every night. I can take time off when I want, so it's super laid back. I got a company truck and a gas card, so. Let the gas prices fly, dude. (laughs) (laughs) The company's paying for that shit. (laughs) What is gas prices looking
0: like over there, man?
1: They've dipped a little bit. I think it's about five fifty. You for know, some, some of them are closer gear. to six, but for a while yeah. it was like six ninety nine. Like, oh, oh my shit! Goodness.
0: For some regular gray gas, regular
1: <laughs> the cheap shit, not even <laughs> the like third. You're in tier California, like, yeah, yeah, Clark's, yeah, Clark's in California, northern right. California, outside of Sacramento, so it's expensive. Okay. But luckily, you know, we just have a Jeep, and my wife does everything in town, shopping, the gym, whatever. So it ain't, yeah. it's not painful. We're lucky. I don't have a commute, and I have a company truck, so I don't feel the.
0: The gas,
1: pinch, you know, yeah. and, and they pay us well, man. I mean, utilities pays pretty good, sure. so no complaints, man. It's not contract. money. <laughs> Nothing's blowing up. No one's shooting at me. And so, oh, but it's man.
2: safe and it's secure. You got job security. It is job. Sc- I mean, dude,
1: because it, it, it's an administrative job, it's the first admin mm-hmm. job I've ever had. I could do it till I'm sixty-five or what. You know what I mean? It's like as yeah. long as I. And this is a family-owned company, so it's not some big utility corporation that don't give a shit about you like i personally know the owner yeah that's uh, awesome in fact i tricked him into hiring me i said sir if you (laughs) give me the job i'll give you free shooting lessons for life and he goes (laughs) fucking hired right there (laughs) so everything i've learned everything i've learned is just on the job i don't have to be from the trades or anything you know they kind of had a mentor work with me for a while and figure out what i was looking at and what i need to observe is like I don't care how they do their job as long as they're doing it safely with the equipment what are uh, what are the sites like is it like um
0: what are you guys what are they doing like well we um,
1: have three things we do substations transmission and distribution Yeah. most of what I do is keep an eye on distribution distribution crews and so all they do is switch out power poles they'll take an old power pole and they'll put in a new power pole so they got to you know pull the wires Mm de-energize it sometimes I work it hot so they got to wear rubber gloves most of that's just changing a new pole for an old pole and i just make sure they do it safely and whatever so it, it's pretty easy the transmission guys are the big 200 foot steel towers you just like yeah so yeah i mean it's pretty substations are super laid back um but most of its distribution stuff so i just i'll pick it's always it's always crew.
0: something electrical
1: it is. It's always something That's electrical, and, and what I love is a lot of it is very remote, up into the Sierras, up in the mountains, and so it's oh, very yeah. beautiful, yeah. dude. Yeah. Those line they run through some crazy places, <laughs> dude. <laughs> a lot of them they have to fly a helicopter into, and they drop them dudes off in the woods because there's no way to get to these. I mean. <laughs> Oh, it's Oh, yeah. pretty remote shit you know i'm still looking for bigfoot dude <laughs> when you're um out in the middle
0: of nowhere and you see these old power poles and power lines you're like
3: how the hell did yeah. they,
0: <laughs> how did they put that because then you got to do the same thing you're yeah. like oh, huh? i need to replace this shit oh
1: yeah <laughs> it's crazy all this, it's all oh, overgrown yeah. and stuff yeah, yeah. And they do it year-round dude rain snow 100 degree heat whatever it is i mean a lot of respect mm-hmm. these linemen dude are the mm-hmm. hardest working group of dudes i've ever seen man i mean their work ethic is yeah. fucking crazy they grind six seven days a week oh, they yeah. make They're good kind money of, kind of a cult yeah. kind of a cult it is the linemen are crazy dude linemen <laughs> are shit man some of them like why don't you go to line school i'm like fuck that shit dude you guys do <laughs> some delta force crazy shit man. holy <laughs>
0: shit it's like a young man's game.
2: Yeah, it is. <laughs>
1: no, I went if when I left the military or even contracting, if I knew about line work, I probably would have got into it, man. It pays well. They do some cool shit. I mean, mm-hmm. dude, some of these dudes, they clip right off from the skids of a little bird right on a 200 foot tower. I mean, they do some big boy ballsy shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, holy fuck. It's they, they do some good work, man. So it's it's nice being a, a small part of that community because you're still around dudes. You know what I mean? With how. Yeah. The way things are going these days that's still a group of fucking we angry some, dudes that like to give each other some shit,
0: camaraderie man. yeah
1: yes yes so i feel I blessed i feel blessed. i get to hang out with the boys but then i come home every night and my job's pretty safe they're fucking with electricity not me. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> i stay
1: way the fuck back and before i touch anything i always ask the foreman hey can i if i get on this truck am i gonna die <laughs> you, know, yeah. you touch the wrong thing that's energized dude it's sure. kind of over man so yeah
0: I saw um you've been doing the BG
1: BJJ stuff.
0: How's, huh? how's that been going for you?
1: I love it, dude. I wish I had started sooner, man. So <laughs> many of my buddies, but I was always a gun guy, right? And it's I'm like, like the ah, new, yeah. I'll just shoot a dude. You know, why do I got to let to fight? Well, kind of moving to California forced me because the gun laws are so weird here. All my shit's just locked up. I just recently got my CCW, which is almost impossible to do, but I did it. Really? so i thought well how do i stay sharp you know how, what do i do to still feel you know uh part of something and so i thought you know my buddies have been talking about jujitsu forever man. oh you yeah, see it. it's, it's
0: the new thing yeah, yeah. It's, it's everywhere like it's a it like it like karate in in everywhere you look <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is man right. and so i so many of my buddies did it for so long and i thought yeah since i can't get to the range very often and i want right. to stay sharp i'm like oh, I'm working out too yeah but it was it was kind of during the COVID, and I thought, oh, there's no way nothing's oh. gonna be open, for, especially in California, dude. They shut everything mm-hmm. down. Little Google search, there's a little studio yeah. right next door. And, but I also know there's a lot of fake shit out there. You, know, you mm-hmm. ever follow that McDojo shit on social media? All the like <laughs> fake karate dudes, and you know they beat you with their pinky. And so, no and nothing. Are I got yes. a a buddy in Denver that was in the UFC, and so I sent him a message and said, hey, is Gracie Baja like a legit? He goes, Oh yeah, Yeah. dude, they're, they're a real, that's the real deal. And so it's like a mile and a half from the house. And so I show up for the free trial class and get my ass handed to me. I'm like, I thought I had a chance, right? Like former team guy, 220, tough dude, dude, (laughs) getting wrapped up by like teenagers, man. Just like, so you just just walk in and they're like,
0: they throw on, you like, a gee,
1: say, "Yeah, come on, free class here. Put this on." You are like, "These guys are real nice." And then <laughs> and you, you go to spar and, your and your you spa. realize, "Holy
0: shit!" Like <laughs> it, the free child on, class I is terrifying. I was gonna say, "Man, I went in
1: there and wiped the floor They gave it all, me one man. guy, uh, <laughs> choked him no. out, uh-uh. said, "Bring on the <laughs> negative."
2: <laughs> and I loved it.
1: I love that I got my ass kicked. I am like, "I need <laughs> this. It's a humbling <laughs> experience, dude." I then you then you are just hungry, like I got to learn this shit. I, I gotta, gotta be learn be this be. shit. Right. Well, and then what happens is you slowly learn as the months go on, and you figure a little out, and then you get somebody like, oh my god, ah. <laughs> now I'm on top choking a motherfucker. All right, you know. And yeah. so yeah, now it's been almost two years, and uh, my daughter got into it. You know, I wanted to start with her, mm-hmm. but she was like, nah, whatever. Um, yeah. But then she saw me going, and she was like, hey, can I go to class with you? And I'm like, oh, yeah, free trial Absolutely. class, come check yeah. it out. So she loved it though. She's never done anything. She was not a part of a sports team or anything in Thailand. And uh, so I didn't know how she would take to it, but she fell in love with it. And so now it's something we kind of do together and uh, she'll do one girl's class. And then on Thursdays we'll do a class together. And uh, she's way better at it than I am. She's very, uh, she's fast and gifted and it's technique driven. So even a gorilla like myself, you can get choked out and your arm ripped off pretty quick by someone that's a lot smaller than you. So she keeps me on my very, toes, man. So I love very,
0: it. got to be very humbling. Yeah, <laughs> it is.
1: It's good for the soul, though, because it does humble you, man. And then, of course, now I have another little family, that camaraderie that I've missed from the military. A jujitsu studio, you become it's it's that family. And I, I anyone out there thinking about it, regardless of your age, I was 47 when I started it yeah and it hurts i mean my recovery is a little slower but <laughs> there's a
0: little place in the mall in zanesville yeah and i every time during the winter that's when i get so i'm so busy in the summer it's mm-hmm. balls to the wall but then in the winter i'm i if i get a chance i'm gonna get over there you should and go get my ass kicked <laughs> do the free chocolate. but, it, <laughs> but it's yeah. a um it's a gracie it's whatever a gracie, yeah. yeah yeah gracie what i don't know it's like every single djj jim is gracie but yeah we're gonna get over there
1: yeah try me. it out get, dude
0: go From... night night see the wizard <laughs> <laughs>
1: dude when you do it let me know give me a call bro it's so fun dude as long as you go in with the right attitude like this is gonna be fun and and you yeah. just and, and, like you said you're like i gotta learn this shit like i gotta beat these guys like what are they doing <laughs> well if you ever saw yeah. the first ufc when hoist gracie just wrapped it up and won it
2: Yeah, I remember
1: watching that shit in college, like what the
2: fuck? This dude,
1: (laughs) he looked like a little skinny Mexican dude. I didn't know what Brazil (laughs) was, or when he won it, he choked out like 300 pounds days.
0: The fuck? It's definitely seemed to, you know, I don't know, 10-15 years ago before UFC and all this MMA came out. It's like, what was what's the best? You know, and it was no one knew, but with the evolution of MMA, Mm -hmm. it's like clear, it's like striking with. BJJ, and some wrestling. Yep. Yeah. That's the recipe. That's the best yeah. thing to do.
2: Yeah,
1: it, it is. Sure. Yeah, a little boxing, a little Thai boxing, some wrestling, some jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. I mean, that it is, is recipe. A, a pillar. <laughs> of, yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and also, I like, kicker. now that I'm older, like, I really don't want to do any boxing or striking just because I'm getting older and shit. But BJJ You don't, you don't want your really... bell rung, dude? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I've had that enough, dude. I'm, <laughs> TBI poster <laughs> child, for sure. And I'm just kind of retarded but uh, it uh, is it uh. is the gentle art you know what i mean it's yeah. it's there's just there's something about it that's really fucking cool and so i was a little hesitant at first because of my age but my buddy's like as long as you're smart about it like don't be afraid to mm-hmm. tap don't try to yeah if someone's right. getting you an arm bar don't try to don't muscle rip it, it and tear <laughs> vice Yeah, give it to yeah. them i'm happy for them and then i want to know like how did you do that and they will yeah. show you they're happy to teach you so yeah I learned that it's not necessarily a competition in class. Like ask somebody, Hey, how did you do that triangle choke or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. And they're more than happy to, to teach you, man. It's yeah. all right. I'm, I'm yeah. happy for you. If you take the child class, let me know how it goes. I'm, man. I'm gonna,
0: I've i been planning on giving it a go. <laughs> you're you're kind of an inspiration for that, brother. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a
2: physical chess game. It's like, it is small, small moves just to get them to kind of, Go uh, go go too far one way and well, then me, they can pay for it. You try Jake to set, set them
0: him up and it. <laughs> me and Jake wrestling no. Oh, he's a wrestler. Oh, you're in trouble, dude. He's got a big no. heads up. I hate it uh, when I
1: find out someone grew up wrestling. I'm like, I don't want to spar that much. Of course he's gonna win, dude.
0: <laughs> Our group of friends just grew up, we're just like fighting
1: each other yeah. for no
0: reason. You know, <laughs> we're, just, we're like, oh we're, we'll, get well what? don't tell him you're I'm doing
1: jujitsu. Don't tell him for like two years and then just <laughs> fucking crush him, dude <laughs>
2: <laughs> just make, well, make up some shit you know
0: <laughs> jake did i miss anything you really wanted to
2: yeah before we let you go yeah. i kind of I just want to know like how did you and craig hook up like how did you meet each other <laughs>
1: Uh, actually was, in the chat room it was <laughs> it was a grinder yeah, <laughs> or, uh, exactly. was it, uh, i swiped up. left and his picture showed up and i'm like it's a handsome fucking dude man i wonder so, if he's um, into pubes <laughs> <laughs>
0: no it was when we were starting freedom vest i don't know i read a book it was a navy seal it was goggins book
2: mm-hmm. and i was like
0: yo these navy seal guys they're like they're cool as fuck and i followed like goggins and a couple other people mm-hmm. and then like Instagram just saying, oh, people, you should follow. And then it was like, I was just like, before I knew it, I was following like a dozen ex-Navy SEALs for like inspiration or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it happened to be at the same time. <laughs> no, I was starting this company. And at the same yeah. time, I was like seeing these dudes on my feet. I'm like, we were doing this anyway. And I'm like, I think, I think guys like this might be able to help me promote this. Sure. So I, I kind of sent out a few messages and Clark was one of them. I'm like, hell yeah. Like, I, I feel like Clark was... Nice. putting out some content that was real and relatable and not yeah. just like trying to be like, I don't know, beat his own chest around. Like it, it's clear. Like, I don't know. We went back and forth a little bit, got on the phone and it was love, love. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just was. <getting> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, was. We just got along and you know, he's a cool dude. He'll do anything you ask real as it gets. No bullshitting around. I mean, kind of just a dude yeah. that gets things done. So Kind of like this podcast. It's like two days. To, I don't know. I think we had a plan in like
1: twenty minutes. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Always, dude. I'm always down to help or be a part of something. And no. I feel bad because you and I are working together. But then my page got banned. I lost all my followers, and I'm like, well, I don't know oh, how yeah. much of an asset I'll be with like two followers now. But uh, Clark uh, sucks. Yeah.
0: They totally deleted He, You had like 150,000 followers. They or deleted something, it, man.
1: Like, I went to sign Austin wow. and I got an email from Instagram said, Your account's gone, bub. You know, I was like, it's What never back. did they tell you? Permanently for uh, community that. violations and like a copyright yeah. violation or something. And I tried to appeal it and they said, No. Just oh, gone. Yeah. permanently, permanently banned. And it's deleted, like whatever. You put a lot oh, of you put
0: a lot of work into that shit. Dude, I had like, that
1: account for about six, seven years, and it was and when I just was posting, shooting posting, and posting,
0: posting. Yeah,
1: well, oh, you put God. in your time, and I tried to make it funny, and like it was just fun. And for it and to just, just be boom, gone, man, and now being all. shadow banned, you like capped at a certain level, which I don't care about the number of followers.
3: Yeah. But
1: sometimes there's topics that come up, and I want to give my two cents on it, and it was nice to be able to kind of spread a message. Yeah. Where now they cap it to a smaller audience it's a shame for sure and yeah. i was always willing to help people like yourself or maybe someone says hey i'm starting a t-shirt company if i send you a shirt yeah. can you blast a post and i was happy to do it
3: mm-hmm.
1: why the fuck not you know and maybe sometimes <laughs> yeah. i'll need help or you know it was just oh. a genuine thing that i got hit up a lot to help people or and i you know like meeting you i'm like fuck yeah let's do this dude i'm always down to try yeah. to be a part of something. And so I got right. my wings clipped a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: I think you do a good job of spent spreading a patriotic uh, message. That's kind of like the point of this show, spread some, I mean, your podcast is called the good vibes, Dudes." like <laughs> yeah. just spreading a message of positivity. Yeah. is like, you know, I don't know. I feel like that's what social so, media should be for. Yeah. It's so hard you, to find. You get on there and there's so much mm-hmm. negative bull crap, so. Yeah. yeah. I think your your pages are a bright spot and it's kind of what we're trying to do here, so we really appreciate you coming on, man, and yeah. uh took a lot of your time we're about <laughs> wow. getting get close to what to <laughs> I, I All do not Oh, good. No, anytime, <laughs> man.
1: You guys, you let me know. I'm always down for you. So I'll come back yeah. on or have you yeah, guys on my it. podcast. I mean, one Hell hand yeah. washes the other, dude. I just, uh, it's always fun to <laughs> chat with you, dude, for sure.
0: Absolutely. Awesome. We'll dig into something else sometime. I'm sure of it. <laughs> <laughs> More Thailand, do that Thailand stories. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. One night in Bangkok, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, I
1: appreciate it, dude. You know, I love my country and you know, serving my country for so many years, it's kind of sad sometimes to see what's happening and things like that. And so that's why I started my podcast. I was like, what does the world need right now? That they need Mm. another seal telling war stories and shit. No, there's plenty of those podcasts out there. I (laughs) said, the world needs some good vibes, dude. I'm just going to talk some shit. I was listening to a lot of Bill Burr back then. I'm like, I love the way (laughs) he just talks shit about stuff. So that's kind of how I started. I just want to make people laugh and forget about all their woes. And so that's kind of the the niche that I've tried to get into with podcasting is just kind of clown around and then have some substance to it. Not just slapstick comedy, oh, yeah. but put a it's message out there, you know?
0: Yeah. Before you go, if you want to tell people where they can find you uh, on the social medias and the podcast, just go ahead, plug your card, man. Oh, thanks,
1: <laughs> man. Uh, Instagram, it's Clark underscore impostado. I've just recently started a Twitter account now that Elon bought it. I'm like, all right, I'll sniff that shit out. I kind of like the cut of his jib. He's kind of a quirky dude. So it's the same oh, thing yeah. on Twitter, Clark underscore impostado, And then the podcast is uh, Good Vibes podcast with Clark Impostato and Ryan G. We usually put yeah. out one episode a week and holidays or something get in the way. And so we just kind of like what we're doing here. We just shoot the shit there's no agenda or format. We just get people on or sometimes Ryan and I just have a session and talk about shit. And so you can find us Instagram, Twitter, or, or on the airwaves, man. That's it. Hit me up, send me a message. You know, I I reply (laughs) as many as I can, you know,
0: absolutely. Well, I'm sure people will do that.
1: <laughs> you might eat your medicine.
0: <laughs> All right, bro. Well, I appreciate you and uh I hope you have a good evening and we really appreciate you coming on the show, brother. Yep, it's Thanks. been awesome. All, All right, right, Clark. <laughs>
3: Thank you guys. I appreciate you, man. Freedom mom.